Hey, Lights, Camera, Barstool listeners, you can find us every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. For us, golf is simple. It's a chance to get out and have some fun with our friends. But inevitably, little things have a way of ruining it. The group ahead is taking forever. You can't find the fairway with a map. And the Bev cart is nowhere to be found. And the best way to make a bad day better is Fireball Whiskey. You get their nips, the little shooters. They are great. Makes a bad day way, way, way better. Make sure to grab the new Fireball Birdie Shot Club. It's literally a golf club filled with Fireball nips. Put it in your bag. It'll fit right in that side pocket. Drink Fireball nips and have a great time on the golf course. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. What killed the dinosaurs? Guys, You want to come and jaw with you? I'm going to make you famous, Lizzie. It's not Al anymore. It's Dunk. Dunkachino? Don't mind if I do. I'm the Joker, baby. <laughs> Welcome to Lights, Camera, Barstool, Season 2, Episode 2, Jeff Lowe, Ken Jack. Joined by this week's guest, John Feidelberg. Fights, welcome back. It's been a while. Hate to be here, fellas. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember when the three of us recapped Westworld during the pandemic? Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> and that's... we hated every second of that, too. Yep. <laughs> and we thought it was going to be over so quickly. We're like, yeah, this probably won't last until the even the series is over. Like, fast forward nine months later. And we were happening. like... Yeah, maybe the finale will be back in the office. We actually, I mean, we kind of were in the office earlier than most companies, but we were like, ah, a couple of weeks, we'll be back for the last couple episodes. Never, <laughs> never Very happened. Close. That, was the, that was the question you asked on the very first episode. You're like, what well, episode we get back in the office? Never. Absolutely. None of them. Um, so, fight's been a while since you've been on, but you are a massive musicals guy. Perfect week. And you've seen Dear Evan Hansen. We're reviewing Dear Evan Hansen today. We also have an interview with B.D. Wong, the legend, and then another oh legend, God. Billy Bob Thornton today. Yeah, uh, that's so right. Both of them interviews today. And then after the uh, the review of Jared Hansen, we're going to do some streaming suggestions. We'll, we'll do drafts and rankings now and then, but we're not going to force it. We're not going to force it. And then later on in the week, we're going to do – we have another podcast on Thursdays. I think a lot of people know this by now. We're going to do a, a bracket podcast. First one's going to be Worst Mascot. Uh, myself, Ken Jack, Nick, KB from Anus Podcast, along with Owen, and then our other coworker, Stephen Che. For those who don't know him, he's an incredible wild card. It's going to be very bizarre and funny. Uh, but we're not ready for that yet. That's going to be next week. So later on this week, we're going to do like a uh, like a movie watch along commentary. So we'll let you know what that's going to be uh, when the time comes. We haven't figured out what that's going to be yet. Uh, anyway, this episode, news, Dervin Hansen. And then uh, two interviews, Billy Bob Thornton and B.D. Wong. Also later on, we have, we have Andy Serkis coming up, Billy yeah. Kirk. There's We may have another big interview as well. Uh, That's true, a huge massive. one, like white whale level, humongous yeah. guest. The person, if you know this podcast, he is, I've said this before, he is the nicest celebrity that I ever met at GMA. Oh, I fucking know the answer. I'm, I'll bleep it out. If Oh, okay. I didn't know the answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> Big one. I'll, I'll tell you what. I saw a few pictures of him tonight, and that is a sexy gentleman. You're yes, sir. he is. <laughs> yeah. That's he, probably lightly. We, we, and I'm going to bleep this out, too. There's no context clues, but this will be a laugh. I don't know if I told you this story. We accidentally... Oh, hmm. shut up. <laughs> Tough. 
tough. Yeah, that, that was look. tough look. Tough look for the company. Um, yeah, we may have him as well. So that, that'll be neat. Uh, but before we get into it, actually, we got three ad reads. Yeah, I'll do one now. Uh, this episode brought to you in part, folks, by BetterHelp. That's right, BetterHelp. Fantastic online ther- therapy, especially in this time of things being online, Zoom, maybe not wanting to go in. And even if you can go in to get therapy, maybe you don't want to. Uh, it's customized online therapy that offers video, phone, even live chat sessions with your therapist. Uh, you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Way more affordable than in-person therapy. Start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Uh, invest in your mind, folks. And also Barstool Sports, we offer it as well at the company. Mm-hmm. From better help to employees, uh, added benefit. So we take advantage of it. Uh, even if it's a big problem, small problem, you just want to talk to somebody, get stuff off your chest. Therapy is fantastic. Uh, and BetterHelp is offering right now 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash lights. It's betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R, help, H-E-L-P.com slash lights. Uh, BetterHelp, fantastic service, 10% off right now, betterhelp.com slash lights. Before we get into news, Anything, anything exciting? Anything we sh- we should do in honor of Trebons? What we used to always do during football season, which is recap, because we have a thing where basically it was very like almost like a solar eclipse. Whenever we'd have the Colts win for Trill, Chargers win for me, and the Browns win for Jeff, it was like it would very rarely happen. I think it happened twice in the history of our podcast. It also didn't happen this week for you fights as a Pats fan because the Chargers Wait, barely. I speak- first guess since Trill left. No, second. No, second. Okay. All right, I didn't want. I, I was gonna hang up. I was gonna. No. Hang up. I didn't want to get the first guy. <laughs> that was Nick, the, Nick, Nick, Nick. Yes. Our co Nick Turney was, was, uh, okay, good. Yeah. Nick, you're second. But the Chargers won, Browns won, Pats, not so much. Pats had a tough one. Pats, Pats did have a very tough one. It I, even the, even when the fucking Patriots fan out, we can't align. We can't align yep. three wins. It's impossible. Yep. We added in what should be the most winningest franchise ever, and we still can't get an alignment. It's insane. <laughs> We got beat by Jameis Winston today, who played all right. But it, it, I, this is my like, this is my, my first season in New York without having a Sunday ticket plug. Yeah, we have Direct TV would hook us up, and like I just got to go to bars now, and they just stuck me in a, they just stuck me in a corner, and I just had this little TV. Bro, the, the bar I went to watch the game today, I barely could see the game. They put me in the corner, mm-hmm. and they were like, "All right, we can get it on that TV on the other side of the room." So uh, just watching it, I couldn't even tell like who was doing anything. It sucks having to watch a football game here when your team isn't a New York team. So, or, I mean, so, anywhere in the world. But. So you probably watched that Jameis Winston falling down touchdown, and you were like, "Yeah, damn, that was pretty cool." And then like you watched the replay on Twitter, and you're like, "Oh wait, what the fuck? How did this happen?" Exactly what happened. Exactly <laughs> what happened. It, it's it is such an underrated thing, and you I guess can relate now. I mean, Ken Jack. didn't live in San Diego ever. I never lived in Cleveland. My my family got Sunday ticket in 2004. So I've been able to watch the Browns, but like the first couple of years that they were back and I was a fan, like you watch games. Like I would watch Browns games via game cast on ESPN, which was not great in 2002. Or you would just, there'd be that little box in the upper left-hand corner on CBS. And you would follow that. The Browns lost to the Chiefs. Very famous, like, classic Browns game. Dwayne Rudd threw his helmet at the end of the game and extended the game. It, the game went final. The Chiefs got a 15-yard penalty. Can't end the game on a defensive penalty. They won the game. This is week one, 2002. Ironically, the Browns won the playoffs that year. My dad and I watched the corner box go final. Browns won the game. We were like, yeah, great. And then all of a sudden, it was final. Chiefs won. You're like, what the fuck just happened? I have no mm-hmm. idea. That's how you would follow it. You don't, like... Most people who probably listen, I mean, that's most anywhere. They probably watch their team locally. 
you don't know pain until you have to watch your team out of of market. market. Maybe it's when the ticket's not working. It's awful. Awful. Particularly to even like, I'm a, I'm not a guy who likes to go to get to the bars for a game for big games, you know, like mid-season baseball, hockey, regular season, like, you know, earlier on, I I got no problem going to a bar for a game, but like big games, important games. And that's every football game. I like to just watch that alone. I don't like anyone around me. I like to just be home alone watching the game. And it's, it's impossible to do here. And then you also you, – so you don't have a sound. Sound is so fucking important. It's it's background noise to me. I've actually said this many a time, and uh, I've said it fairly recently when people are getting mad about – I don't remember what. But, like, I think I think people who have passionate opinions about commentators are lunatics. <laughs> like, it's, it's just – you have the people you – like, who you recognize immediately, like your Joe Bucks, your Gus Johnson, and shit like that. But, like, if you're mad you got Iron Eagle on the call, who gives a fucking shit? It like it'll eventually blend in and just become someone talking about the game, but it still is very necessary in order to make you pay attention to the game. Like I was, I was trying to watch the bar today, which is far away, no sound because obviously they had sound for the Giants game, and I was like, this just this is this is no way for a human being to watch. Mm-hmm. You miss all the tidbits. You miss all the good little bits that they throw out yeah. there. I'm like, I didn't know that this is the third game since 2000 or since 1967 that they haven't had a completion on third down in the second drive of the game. I wanted to know that. Dude, I tweeted I tweet today because, again, they had the, the sound off of the Giants game, so I kind of kept my eyes, kept going to that one. They put up a graphic during the Giants game that Archie Manning, Peyton Manning, and Eli Manning have combined to start the most QB uh, – have combined to be the quarterback family to start the most games in NFL history. I was like, is, do we need a graphic for this? That is mm-hmm. the most no-fucking-shit stat in history that the Mannings – Lead have the most QB starts of any family. No, like three decades of plus of play. It's like three. It's like insane amounts of games. Like you know what I mean. Like that's that's nuts. The Matthews. I don't know. Archie had like one seventy. Peyton had like two sixty. Eli had like two forty. No kidding. That family has the most wins. Uh, most starts. Yeah, I don't even know who come close. Like the Matthews, maybe or something like that. I don't know. But I'm glad to know that, that this curse stays alive and that we uh, we can't start off LCB season two with like an actual eclipse window closing. The uh, the, the other like really shitty thing is if no, like you're really fucked and you can't watch your team. Like, for example, so my my family now actually doesn't even use DirecTV anymore. They just moved and they're not going to get DirecTV until they get their new house. And so my dad's using the digital Sunday ticket and you can only have one account, which is so fucking yeah. stupid. So last week. I couldn't watch right off the bat. I couldn't watch. So I had to rely on red zone. There's a rule. It's an unspoken rule. If you're, if you are relying on a red zone to watch your team, your team immediately will never be shown on red zone. That's just how it works. Like it just, no matter what, like if you're relying on red zone, you're never going to see your team. It's just, that's just how it goes. That's all. It's always how it shakes Mm -hmm. out. Last NFL thing though, Trill Ballins today. Trill, our our good friend did make a comment about Carson Wentz and I will read it now. (laughs) Uh, he said, <laughs> farts on shits. That's what he called him. Farts and um, shits. I love that one. <laughs> that's, Instead of his, Carson Wentz. that's his observation of Carson Wentz. Farts on shits. Um, all right. Let's get into some uh, let's get into some news. Oh, wait, wait. There's one thing we should tell fights, by the way, because there's something that Tro said yesterday that is fucking mind boggling. He told us that he had a uh, his salad that he got from fast food place, right? And the salad, he used ketchup as dressing. <laughs> this tweet, Ken Jack, he put ketchup 
Just like how many packets we took. <laughs> he said he said he got, he so he went to a fast food place. He just got a salad because he didn't want anything heavy, but he didn't get dressing. So he's like, I, I'm not dry. I'm not eating a salad raw. I'm not raw dog in a salad and I'm not eating it dry. So I just put some ketchup on it. And I was like, that's not you can't say that to us and not expect us all to collectively freak out. One of the grossest things I've ever heard. Bro, I don't hate the move. I'm with him. Oh, come on. It's look, it's not. If you give me like um, like if I get like a little side salad, like a little plate kind of deal and that's raw i'll just raw that but i can't i can't raw a whole salad i'm not I'm, you, I'm not a fucking giraffe i can't just eat a bunch of roughage just with my mouth i don't have enough saliva in my body to get that down i'll choke it up you gotta you gotta lube it and ketchup's ketchup goes with everything there's nothing ketchup can't work on ketchup can work. i love ketchup a lot as like a topic but i think it almost exclusively has to be on like some sort of like Protein or fried good. I don't think ketchup on vegetables is just not something I can get behind at well, how all. About this? How about this, Ken Jack? I'm sure there's been one time or two in your life when you were taking a bite of a burger and accidentally the whole lettuce slid out and you probably just went and you ate that up. And guess what? It was fucking good, wasn't it's it? It's part of the combination. It's a combination <laughs> of that. It's got the beef juice on it. It's got the cheese. It's got other shit on it. Just a fucking, he's eating a fast food salad with ketchup. It's gross. It's, Don't it's defend it. Like, it's animal-like, but nature is metal. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a fucking raccoon, man. That's unreal. He also heats up Fig Newtons on his car dashboard while he's at work, then eats them on his brakes. Whoa, I love this. I love this. <laughs> okay, hey, come on. A nice warm Fig Newton. Real has the, Dude, Kevin and I were just recently talking about how the Fig Newton is a savagely underrated uh, it is. I agree with you there, yeah. But uh, heating it up on your car dashboard? Bro, I might go buy fake Newtons right now, pop them in the microwave, pop a scoop of ice cream on top of that, and have myself <laughs> a fucking Sunday. There's a uh, there there's a there's a, a like a a bar, like a pro not a not a protein bar, like one of those like uh what what do you what do you call a regular bar? Like what do you call like an like a granola bar kind of yeah. you know, it's a fig. Have you seen those fig bars by Nature's Bakery? Really good. I don't think so. Really good fig bar by Nature's Bakery. They have like apple cinnamon. They're fantastic. Very good. It's like a fig Newton, but a little healthy. I don't know. Maybe fig Newtons are healthy. It's fig. Figs a veg or fruit? Uh, Fig figs a fruit. It's too sweet to be a veggie. Yeah, no. Yeah. Who makes fig Newton? Is that Nabisco? Yeah, Nabisco is fig Mm. Newton. What, what I thought, I thought of, these things, but they're date. Oh, you're holding RX the bars. date bars. Yeah. Oh, RX bars. It's like if getting a bar shock. RX bars. You could fucking, you know, <laughs> what? Oh, I love uh, an RX bar. Are you serious? Oh, I, you, they're so what, chalky, man. What, what? Flex? Oh, Flex Seal. <laughs> you know when? You know when they do the commercial for Flex Seal, where they do a screen door on the bottom of a boat. If yeah, you just yeah, rub yeah. an RX bar, you could do that. RX bars will they will clog leaks. Dude, I like those. I like them with. I like the, the berry ones. The berry ones can get the job done. This one's a chocolate sea salt. That's not so good. But a berry one, that's that's right there for you. I. It's it's hard to explain. So I don't want to sound like I'm complaining because it's free food. Our, the snack situation at Barstool in the office is unbelievable. Sometimes <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. it's my favorite thing because it's it's an it's an instant. Um, it, it instantly tells you just how high Ebony was. <laughs> You're like, okay, average. We got we got three pounds of Laffy Taffy this week. Yep, insane amount of Laffy Taffy. We we have we have this new thing too, where sometimes it's like a box of like baby food. Like, yes, like, why the baby food? Yeah. It's like it's like 
packed applesauce, but it's like not. It's in a baby food container, though. Sauce. They got red. Dude, those are good. Those are good. It's just like, it's I've just been crushing those. Like, you'll just see, it'll be like flaming Hot Funyuns, Laffy Taffy, and then Goop. <laughs> um. All right, let's get into news. One of the most unbelievable news stories you'll ever see in the history of movies. Uh, they released the voice cast for the anim- animated. I want to be clear on this. It's animated. Yeah. Many people thought this was a live action off the top. It's the animated Mario movie from Nintendo. We've talked about this movie. We just didn't know the cast. This has been in development for a while. The animated Mario movie. Jack Black is playing uh, playing Bowser. All right. Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong, which... I think okay. it works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy is Peach. That makes sense. She's apparently really excited. And now the two. The two that have broken people... Uh, made people question things ken jack as an italian i'll let you i'll let you have the floor initially charlie day is luigi and chris pratt is mario the the chris pratt one is really funny and i I saw a really funny tweet that quote tweeted because the way that they announced it it was a black and white picture of chris pratt and just says chris pratt quote mario so it looks as if like that was like his dying words and this is like an in memoriam (laughs) the last words he said was just mario but (laughs) it's it's bizarre to me only for the main fact that they have uh, I think his name is Charles Martinet, who the guy who does the voice of Mario is part of the cast, but he's not voicing Mario. Like you had there, Chris Pratt is voicing Mario instead. That is just the most bizarre thing to me. I don't think Chris Pratt's a good Mario, but like, why have the guy who can do it? He that's him. You don't, he's not doing live action. Nah, 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 nah. That dude doesn't put asses in the seats. This is one of those things. He's put asses in the seats for three decades. What are you talking no, about? Not, not in, not in theater seats. Not in theater seats, Ken Jack. He's putting them in couch seats. We're talking red recliners now, and that's a whole other bag of tricks. You got to bring out the big guns for that. There, there was a, another funny, a couple of funny people. I think you were tweeting about this. There's one where it's like canonically, this just doesn't make sense because Chris Pratt's like six four, and uh, Charlie Day, who's playing Luigi, is like five foot five, and like everyone knows. For number one, that's the big thing about Luigi. Luigi's the tall brother. Mario's the the short, fat brother that gets pussy. Like that's the big difference between the Mario <laughs> brothers. The brothers Mario. So like that's that's another thing that's a little bit weirding me out. Charlie Day doing an Italian accent is gonna be very funny, but like also just in general, how does Chris Pratt approach this? Is he gonna try and do like that goofball Italian accent, or is he just gonna try and be a more I, I don't know neutered Mario? Like I don't know how you you approach that. I think you gotta go more neutered, but I think Charlie Day is gonna crush. It. I think Charlie, oh, yeah. Charlie Day is a yeah I believe that character, so he's perfect. Mm-hmm. No, that I agree with Keegan Michael Key, great voice actor. There's some other ones on there as well. Um, Kevin Michael Richardson, great voice actor. I think what's his name? The the that comedian you guys interviewed is part of the cast. Uh, I think a few times. That is an Italian comedian. What the fuck's his name? Oh my god. Nashville Mascalco? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That He's voicing sense. uh Spike, Fred Armson's voicing Cranky Kong. Uh great voice cast otherwise, but just again, it's gonna come down to the first trailer we see. If we just hear Chris Pratt. I'm like it's a me Mario. It's gonna be really fucking weird. It's gonna it's gonna be either people making fun of him for going too far, or people being like, "Hey, why are you not sound like Mario?" So it's gonna be weird. Isn't that what's awesome about Hollywood, though? They pay you so much goddamn money that you can just take a lose lose job for fun. You're like, uh-huh. fuck it, this shit. I don't They're care. gonna pay me so much money to sit in a booth and just talk. Like, like he, you know, going into this, no matter what you do, at least fifty percent of people are gonna hate it. You just yes. know. 
the but I'm on the side of 100% people who love it that that Italians are still people we can make fun of. Yes, we, oh, 100%. No such thing. Italian voices, we, it doesn't matter. Chris Pratt was raised Norwegian, just so everyone knows. He's a Norwegian from Virginia, and he's doing Mario, the most famous Italian of all time. <laughs> he really and is. Loving it. <laughs> That's it. That's kind of funny. Mario, for sure, is the singular most uh, famous Italian of all time, and he's fictional. He's not real. Yeah. Like, he's more famous than Chris Columbus. Are you fucking kidding me? You yeah, that's, like- why, that's why the Italians, like people from Philadelphia, the, the best thing they got going for him is a made-up character. <laughs> it's fictional. That's that's the funny thing, too, is now is it anti-Italian discrimination having uh, Charlie Day as Luigi and having Chris Pratt as, as Mario? Damn right it is, and we're proud of it. It's going to be so I, – I can't wait to watch this movie. As a again, once again, as a proud Italian. I didn't know you're Italian. Kennedys can't be Italian. Oh, it's do Irish and Italian mixed like, and they just fucking humped each other like Mormon squirrels the second they got off those fucking boats, dude. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you guys just got you guys just got that olive skin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Three most famous Italians: Mario, Julius Caesar, and Ronnie from the Jersey Shore. <laughs> that's, that's the three right there. Uh, <laughs> Ronnie takes the cake. If we want to do, <laughs> yeah, which what who's the most famous here? Italian from the Jersey Shore? Oh, it's because Snooki's not. Yeah, she's like I guess I, I, guess I don't right? know. Like, the situation's got to be right. He's got to be up there. It's you well, know, it's gotta be, it's got to be Paulie D. Ronnie could definitely do everything yeah. that Julius Caesar accomplished in his lifetime. Julius Caesar could not do anything that Ronnie accomplished in his lifetime. So I think <laughs> if you're gonna if you can boil it down to that, Ronnie's the more famous or at least more influential Italian. Who was the? Uh, who was the the emperor? Was it Nero? Who when they burned everything over? down? Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see Paulie D be like the, like a modern Nero, yeah. where he just <laughs> fucking hitting the hitting the ones and twos while shit just burns. He's like, yeah, he's on the DJ table while fucking all Rome burns down. Exactly. <laughs> in my in my escapades to the Jersey Shore this summer, I saw Paulie D in concert at a pool party with one of our other coworkers, KB. And we concocted an idea that we were going to tell people that much like Steve Aoki throws cakes at people, uh, Pauly D lasagna's people. So he mm-hmm. throws <laughs> full, full trays, piping hot trays of lasagna at people in the crowd. <laughs> and enough people have believed it where I'm just going to continue saying it. That's just why I'm going to just keep on saying that. <laughs> He just throws lasagna at all his homies. We it's, it's, K, KB was like, yeah, uh, he lasagna at one of my homies this weekend. It was unbelievable. I'm just going to keep it going. checks out. I believe it. It sounds right. If you, if you said it with a straight face, I'd believe that without a second. <laughs> Absolutely. And he should if he doesn't. Um, or tiramisu thing. people at least. Yeah, tiramisu yeah. might be better. A little easier. Uh, Stranger Things season four. First look. The trailer, actually. Netflix had their uh, their upfronts i the, guess they, they call it the to dumb that's their to-dum. thing like to dumb like noise yeah their noise yeah which actually i kind of like that i'm gonna be honest yeah, yeah it's kinda cool like I, I was also gonna like, uh, but i kind of like it yeah it is it, it's yeah it's like a little something different it's like netflix upfronts or like the i don't know what else they could have called it tiger king is back by the way i don't give a fuck no fuck pass stupid started on this guys don't Get me started on all our. I know, I know. You have a take on this. You say documentaries jump the shark, dude. I I was at the doctor's office Thursday morning when this got released, and I was like, I was like, Doc, you gotta fuck. Give me a minute. Get out of here. Go <laughs> go go see another patient because I gotta argue with people on the internet for a while. <laughs> I think documentaries have jumped the shark like none other. 
Like, and I, I think the last one I enjoyed was the Jinx. I think the last one I gave a shot to was um, uh, the Staircase, and then I, I gave up on that one because I think it's just we had this this you know they got successful, and then we just decided that every story ever told needs fucking ten hours to tell the story, and it's nuts. It's absolutely insane. The last good one I saw was the Dan Barry Trashes one because that was what it's supposed to be. It's an hour and 20 minutes. But most documentaries, A, stink, and B, don't even try to teach you anything anymore. Like, it's just, they should all basically start like fucking Anchorman. Like, parts <laughs> of this are based on a true story or whatever the, the quote is to start that. Like, they're, they're just movies now that are they're not giving you any genuine information. It's just what the producer wants you to see. And it's fucking nonsense. It's terrible. Even even the jinx, most of that shit was fake. All the fucking what he's confessing to into the mic and stuff. It's all garbage. It's, you want actual education, kids go to the library. Don't watch documentaries. Well, let me. I'm trying to think of some that I could give you where I think they would change your mind on documentaries because there are some that I think are genuinely very good. Uh, like three identical or three perfect strangers or three identical trans strangers. Did you, that one was a great one. Zero dreams of sushi. Great documentary. There's so many good ones. Is and it, there, but there is a big movies or series. It's got, I'm, I'm more focused so, on series. Okay. So these are documentary movies, which are, okay, I guess. Series. Like, okay. Movies I'm still, I'm still okay with, I think. Okay. Okay. I, I get you. finally recently watched Icarus for the first time. Yeah. Incredible. That you know, what really was a docu-series that was too long. And I think you watched it and you agree. And I liked it because I liked this nonsense, but like, I wouldn't objectively say it was good. Was a McDonald's Monopoly documentary? Didn't watch it. Mm. <laughs> that needed. That's a story that needed an hour. Yeah. It was like six episodes. You, you know which one was uh, like that for me, and I'll agree with you on fights. Was the the Don't Fuck with Cats one? And it was like, holy shit, you gotta watch this. You have to watch. It's the craziest thing ever. And it was just like kind of a relatively normal story about online weirdos, you know? Dude, and that's the thing with documentaries too, is because they quote unquote make you feel smart and they educate you quote unquote. Everyone, once they watch it, feel smarter and get obsessed with it. And for a week, they'll tell any fucking <laughs> yes. living thing. You got to see it. You got to see it. You got to see it. And then eight days later, they forgot they ever watched it. And they never mentioned it ever again. Yep. It was actually shit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. I will go. I will take to my grave the idea that Tiger King was only popular because it was the pandemic. Dude, I, I think I, I think I called it one. and a, It's one and a half hours worth of interesting stories. Maybe two. Dude, but also, I mean, the fact that he was so famous, like like the pandemic, the, the mishandling of the pandemic affected Joe Exotic. It, like if it if it if it did get cleared up in two weeks, Trump's pardoning that motherfucker. Like mm-hmm. it just went on too long that we all stopped caring about Joe Exotic. He just like, yeah, he's like, I I, I don't got time for this guy anymore. I just, just, <laughs> he's, just like, he's like, oh, oh, no one gives a shit anymore. Never mind. Fuck him. He can rock. yeah what if like what if like hindsight he was really he was offered to release it later on he was like no gotta get it out now and he's like fuck if i just waited (laughs) six months season two season two um anyway netflix stranger things trailer um i'm gonna read the it's not a synopsis really but i'm gonna read the comment about it uh we're excited to officially announce that production for Stranger Things 4 is underway. This is from a while ago. Uh, and even more excited to announce the return of, of Hopper, which, I mean, everyone knew that. David Harbour, Jim Hopper. Well, they just outright uh, say it? I mean, I guess they kind of did at the end of last season, but... 
Although it's not all good news for our American, Hopper is imprisoned far from home in snowy wasteland of Russia, where he will face dangers, both human and other. Meanwhile, back in the States, new horrors beginning to surface, something long buried, something that connects everything. This is coming out in 2022, um, which I was actually quite surprised by because I figured usually when Netflix drops trailers, they come out pretty quickly after. Yeah. Like they don't really do like a short, they don't do like a long wait thing. That's not what they do. Remember the Irishman? That was one of those ones where like yeah. the trailer dropped and it was out like really quickly after that. Uh, I, but this is I coming out in 2022. Season three, season three of Stranger Things, I think they did like a week heads up. I think I think they yeah. dropped there like July 4th, it's out. So maybe this is a thing where they're really trying to build the hype because three kind of came and went. And I imagine they're going to continue their their usual full drop of the series. Yeah. But you got to think that they want a little more hype around this. They want a little more of a cultural impact because the third one just didn't have that. What did you, I mean, fights, are you like, I don't think we've talked about Stranger Things. Did the trailer do anything for you, the new one? This one, nothing at all. And I am, I'm a big, I actually just rewatched Stranger Things pretty recently. Oh, wow. In the last month or so. Um, so I, I love Stranger Things. I thought season three was way better than season two. I thought season two was a, a pretty big uh, downtrend from season one. I thought season three is a solid bounce back, um, but you're you are entirely right. It did it did come and go, which I think that Netflix, who obviously invented the the full season drop, I think at this point they have to be rethinking that, right? Like well, every other streaming service has kind of gone away from it, and every other streaming service has seen great success from that. Yeah, they, it's definitely hurt. I think the cultural moment, if that makes sense, for those type of shows where it's like. It's, like, like Think about Hopper, like the reveal at the end yeah. of three. Like if they're like get the American or whatever the exact line was, uh, like that's people take Twitter talking about it nonstop. It's kind of like uh, you're watching like a stripper's routine. She just takes it off right away. It's like I want to be teased a little bit. You know what I mean? That's kind of what the conversation comes from. That's 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 part, part of what I'm paying for here. The the Mandalorian changed a lot. It really did. It was it was a big moment that Disney did that. Um, you see that with the Marvel shows too, like Loki was, I mean, WandaVision as well. When WandaVision, it didn't win in it, uh, any like the main Emmys, but up for a lot of Emmys. And again, it's not like Disney and plus invented it. They just kind of pushed it back to that. Amazon has their thing very similar, but like, look, no matter which way you want to look at it, it was the Mandalorian. It was baby Yoda. Like you do it once a week. It created such a topic conversation. And I, I would, I, I hope Netflix tries it. I mean, it's just so much better. Particularly with, I think with comedies, you can still do it. But particularly right. with thrillers, as like HBO Max mm-hmm. has shown us with The Undoing and Mayor of Easttown, like, like with, with a, a, a thriller, dramatic story, like it sucks. It, it's awesome getting to watch it. Like, I don't go to bed. I fucking watch 12 hours straight of TV. I turn into a fat asshole. And I love every second of it. <laughs> but I prefer to talk about it. That's, that's always been the most fun part of watching television is, is ideas and discussing it with your friends and shit. Yep. And it, it was a nice novel concept for a while, but I, I think, I think again, particularly with the thrillers and the dramas, you got to give us the chance to kind of be on edge. And that's yeah. the thing, like HBO's had so many of these shows. I mean, go from Watchmen to now Succession back again. And again, I'm not just, I know these are like the two of my favorites, so that's why I always mention it. But like, I'll bring those up, but Succession coming back in October, and you're going to have the same thing. You're going to have week in, week out, people saying who's going to end up on what side. I won't spoil it for people who haven't caught up, but like who's gonna end up on what side who's gonna be the one at the end of this like you're gonna have that weekly discussion it's gonna be just another reminder that it's just a better way to consume it's just a better way to watch things it's just more enjoyable (laughs) it sucks it sucks waiting but that's the point 
But that that's the fun of it. Like like Ken Jack was saying with the stripper clothes. Gotta wait a little while to see vagina. <laughs> exactly. But and we're kind of bearing the lead here too. I still am of the opinion that if Stranger Things ended after season one, it'd be remembered so much better. I agree. And I think that it would have been just it would have been way better off for the series because that third season was such so uh stretched out, hollow, just not there. It was just like a like a you like thought that was to, three? I did not like that season three at all. It was like okay, I like season three. I don't know how to explain it, just like a just a dust. It was just in and out like a nothing. You know what I mean? They danced, I think, other cool stuff at the upfronts, by the way. And they're like they're at the to dumb or whatever. They had the cowboy bebop teaser, which was sick. For those of you that were interested in that, they you know they had the trailer for that really weird looking thing for Army of the Dead, um, the prequel series with the German guy that looked weird. Um, Witcher season two clip, which was great. You didn't watch Witcher yet, right? I'm assuming. See, Witcher is one I think it's gonna get better. They had a new clip for Don't Look Up. Uh, oh, and oh, you would care about this one, I think. They have ex- they announced extraction two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tyler Rake. Everyone knows Tyler Rake. That's my favorite thing about him. Everyone's like Tyler Rake. You mean the guy from Extraction? Yeah. Like, he's such a recognizable name that they did a hashtag Rake Lives, which I'm sure at least dozens of people used. That's just, <laughs> I fucking love that they're doing Extraction too, and that he survived being shot in the fucking neck at the end of that movie. Dude, when he fucking jumps off the bridge, you're like, give me the bubble, give me the bubble, get bubble. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. It's it's funny, but most of the world focuses on the stuff like Stranger Things because that's just the, I guess, the the franchise that they built up. And they do have, like, obviously a very rabid fan base. Like, if I were to tweet right now, Stranger Things season three sucked, I'd have, like, 500 people yelling at me for the next two days. So, like, <laughs> that's that's just the nature of the beast there. But Do you think there's know. anything to it? And I, I don't understand how this all works, really, on the technical side of stuff. But is there anything to like this being released so early because they've already edited everything because they're filming like season five? Because this was the first time where there was like, I mean, like a jarring when they went to Caleb. No, that's his real name, I think. Yeah, that's uh, the actor's real name. Yeah, I forgot. Uh, Lucas. Luke. They cut to, what's that? Luke. Lucas. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um. When they cut to Lucas, it was like, oh shit, he's old. Mm-hmm. Like, is there is there anything that maybe they're just trying to fucking bang this out before the kids get too old? Yeah, Lucas, Lucas, like that's a teenager now, mm-hmm. and they're all like doing other stuff now. Like that, well, that kid's in fucking like IBM commercials, the Gaten Matarazzo kid or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like, Finn Wolfhard's in everything. Finn Wolfhard's in everything. Yes. Like Millie Bobby Brown's in Godzilla and you know, Sherlock Holmes series. Like they're everywhere, man. And like fucking even Dennis Hopper t- or uh, what's his name in real life, David Harbor. David. <laughs> Dennis Hopper. Yeah. Dennis Hopper. Yeah, you know, rest in peace, King. <laughs> David Arbor is still best yeah. role, the equalizer. Yeah, that's true. Have you watched this? Okay, I want to ask you this because uh, I keep seeing these fucking commercials while I'm trying to watch football. Have you watched a single episode of the Queen Latifah Equalizer series? <laughs> Not my equalizer. No. <laughs> I keep watching it and they keep having that one line where the guy says to her out loud, I need something equalized. And it makes me laugh out loud every fucking time. It's so bad. Dude, I have not seen that. But just because of you saying that to my face right now, I'll never watch a second. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> or, or, um, or now that I'm thinking about it, maybe I'll watch every episode. Yeah. I don't know. We're going to have to decide. Uh, the other sneak peek they dropped was uh, for Red Notice, mm. uh, starring The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, Gal Gadot, and Ryan Reynolds. Hits Netflix on November 12th. So, again, we really haven't seen anything for this until now. This is what we were talking about. Like they have that really short window typically between their previews. And then when the things come out, uh, Ross and Marshall Thurber, who was our first ever interview on the show uh, mm-hmm. and the, directing it in the world of international crime an Interpol agent attempts to hunt down and capture the world's most wanted art thief. This will be a huge thing for Netflix. It's the rock. I mean, it's just how it's going to be. Gal Gadot, Ryan Reynolds. I don't know if it'd be any good. 
but it's gonna be a big thing for netflix i i love rossin i've i i'm a big rossin guy last time him and the rock worked together we got skyscraper Mm -hmm. and that movie literally had me in the theater standing up cheering (laughs) you're fucking crazy (laughs) i was i was i was alone on the amc over on 33rd street maybe or like by msg and i forget it was the amc whatever the theater by msg is and I was alone in the theater on like a Sunday morning, basically. And I was like, hell yeah. I was going crazy. That movie's sick. So if I'm basing this on the past history of Rawson and Dwayne, I'm really jacked up for this. But if I'm basing this on Netflix's history of movies, I'm not at all. Mm-hmm. Like Netflix, what do they spend? $9 billion a year on content or something like that? An insane and amount. When it comes to their movies, it's almost like most of that money goes into a uh, – Men in Black type thing to make us just forget the movie ever happened. Like, <laughs> That's true. What movies do they have where you're like hell? Like like I, like Six Underground. I watched that was fun. Um, I actually haven't seen Army of the Dead, but like nothing you go back or even talk about. It's kind of just like people talk about it for the one weekend and then that's it. They they've made I feel like so many like that where it's just they they pumped that an insane incredible. Like, what's the one like that? The uh, Triple Frontier is a good Triple example for Frontier. that. That like was what people told me I was gonna love. I watched. It. I was pretty disappointed with that. So, like that one, Six Underground, like you were saying, um, like The Irishman, they pumped a bunch of money into, but that obviously had more conversation. Outlaw King, they had a bunch, put a bunch of money to. Bright, that piece of shit movie with fucking yeah. Will Smith and Joel Edgerton, they pumped a bunch of money into. Project well, Power, like oh, Power. They, they get like a big name actor, and like, and there's one per movie, and then oh, fucking Spencer Confidential, yeah. fucking um, God, what was a. Uh, Concrete Cowboys is that the one that Elba? That was that was the one that also had um, uh, Caleb. Uh, I think his last name is McLaughlin. Or was in it? The, the Stranger Thing Kids is not. Oh really? See, I, I didn't even see that one. I wanted to, and then I heard it was fucking forgettable, so I never even took the time to watch it. But it's like every every one of their movies, it looks cool, and it has a big name to draw you even further into it. And then you watch it, and you're like, I'll never talk about this again. Mm-hmm. It's also funny in this trailer watching Ryan Reynolds kind of be Dwayne Johnson's Kevin Hart. Yeah. Where, like, he, like, goes to break the glass, and it's like, oh, I can't. I'm too small. But Ryan Reynolds is, like, 6'2". Yeah, yeah. Like, like, (laughs) if he's he's on most athletic fields, the commentator's going to describe him as a big man. But he's, like, the small comedic relief in this. Is a little strange. uh, I remember my question after the first trailer was just if this movie is somehow part of the Fast and Furious franchise. Because in this movie, Dwayne Johnson is playing the world's most ex- expert tracker, which is literally just Hobbs. Like, that's that character. Like, Gal Gadot in both franchises. Ryan Reynolds was in Hobbs and Shaw. He was, like, his, what do you call it, uh, go-between guy for the CIA or whatever. Like, it, all the pieces are there. Yeah, all the, all three of them are part of the Fast. You might have just done something, friend. You might have just done something. I'm just saying, all the pieces are there together. I don't know, maybe Netflix took over for Universal, which would be a big miss for them, but it would be, it'd be amazing if they just they flipped their script on that. Hell yeah. That's unbelievable. I, I completely forgot Ryan Rose was an object shot. That's fucking mm-hmm. unbelievable. All three of them, so I don't know. And maybe- he's also kind of... from I, I haven't done any reading on the synopsis of this movie, but based on the trailer, he's kind of a, a Vin Diesel type, it seems. Where I- he, he almost looks like he has a criminal past. And he's helping out the tracker. Yeah, he's like a con man or some something like that. Yeah, I mean that's that's that was, pretty fast series esque. Yeah, that's my that's my theory out in the world right now. My blockbusters are theory 
is that they're connected, but we'll see. We'll see. That red uh, notice is fast cannon. Love yeah, it's part of fast cannon. <laughs> Where Hobbs and Shaw is up. This episode brought to you in part by Paint Your Life, folks. Paint Your Life, fantastic product, by the way. I got a, a no, I got another fucking thing from this place. Uh, great painting. Uh, you can receive your portrait in as little as two weeks. Any photo, professional hand-painted portrait from any photo. Photo of friends, pet, family. I don't know. Take a picture of like your fucking food and have them painted, I guess, if you want. You can do anything. Anything you want. Picture of Vin Diesel, maybe. Speaking of Fast and Furious, how a painting of Vin Diesel. My God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can do a combination of photos. You can choose from a team of world-class artists. Hmm. Uh, they'll make sure every detail is perfect. Great platform. Again, send any picture you want. You get a handcrafted painting. You can receive it in as little as two weeks as well. It's a great gift. Don't get, don't get like the normal bullshit. Don't get a gift card. Like you can get an awesome, personalized, unique gift. And right now, big deal too. You can really save money on this too, because this is professional and very much worth it. Meaningful, personal gift. All you got to do right now, paint your life, paintyourlife.com. No risk. You don't have the final painting, you get your money refunded for free shipping and 20% off. Text LIGHTS, L-I-G-H-T-S, to 64,000, 64-000, 64,000. That's LIGHTS to 64,000, 20% off and free shipping. Paint Your Life, great gift. <laughs> I terms actually, apply, I, available at paintyourlife.com. Terms. I have a bone to pick for them because I ordered a painting um, of my favorite Fast and Furious character, Jacob, but they just sent me back a blank canvas. It's kind of bullshit. Uh, that's terrible. That's, that's, that's a good one. Come on. That's a good joke. <laughs> What a bad character, by the way. Yeah. Terrible. One of the worst Look, ones. In. Don't had- fucking justify it. That was a terrible character. No, no, I'm not. I, I, what I was going to say was our, our last, our last real, really, if we're talking, being honest here amongst friends, our last three installments of the Fast franchise. Have great. Well, you're not a big Hobbs and Shaw guy. No, don't. I only saw it the one time in theaters. It lacked the family, Jeff. It lacked the family element. <laughs> Despite literally adding another member of the family. <laughs> no, that's Hobson. No, Hobson Shaw. We're talking. Oh, oh, Hobson Shaw. Sorry, okay, sorry, yeah. sorry. I thought you were talking no, about Fast, Fast 9 was better. Fast 9 was a bounce back. But if Fast 8 and, uh, and Hobson Shaw, eh, take it or leave it. I'm glad to see Statham coming back into the Fast and Furious franchise, though. I think he's going to be great. <laughs> and the unexplained Hobbs. God damn it. <laughs> um. A couple more things. First trailer for the Princess Diana film, Spencer, starring Kristen Stewart as uh, Princess Di, releases in theaters on November 5th. Some people were coming, like I saw an interesting split on what people reacted to. I actually think it looks pretty good. She, Kristen Stewart's an incredible actress. Um, I think she, this is a, a potential for a big separation that Robert Pattinson, she hasn't had the separation from Twilight that I think Robert Pattinson has. Robert Pattinson has just ditched that shit. That yep. shit is like, Robert Pattinson, that, that stigma's gone, which is awesome. I Kristen Stewart, unfairly, because I think her roles have been a little smaller, uh, has not fully ditched it yet, but she should, because she is a great actress. I think she's in, I think it's going to be great. And if it's not great, it's not going to be her fault. I think she's going to be great in this role. Yeah, I I don't know enough of Kristen Stewart. I I, I like her just because she looks kind of mean, like she's not, <laughs> like that. That's just me. Like I love that. I was I had a crush on Kristen Stewart like day one. That's just Kristen Stewart looks. She looks a little moody, a little sad, and a little mean. That's 
that's we're talking John Sweet spot right there. So I'm a big Kristen Stewart guy. Um, I I could I don't know if I could tell you another thing she was she's done. I I know she did that the Guantanamo movie. I forget what that was called. Um, she did the reverse skyscraper, the reverse Die Hard. <laughs> um, was that underwater or whatever it was? Yep. Yeah, underwater. Yeah, underwater. Yep. that I one is not very good. I know she did them. I can't remember the last thing I saw her in that was not Twilight. Um, so for us, I think it would be happiest season for at least for me and Jeff, which she was very good in. Um, that was also also a pretty damn good movie as well for whatever that's worth. Um, underwater kind of stinky. Was her best role. Damn, I'm trying to think of what else. Charlie's Angels was stinky, but that was I think not a her thing as so much the movie thing. And a couple other random ones. But yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Like she is just an incredible actress that just unfairly still gets stuck with that. But this is also going to be a role that is going to be broken down to the slightest frame. You know what I mean? Because that's what these fucking Anglophile freaks do with like the crown too. So I'm sure they're going to take this apart like crazy critics. have been giving it a great um, response from what I've seen. But once this gets released to Gen Pop, you're going to get all these red-faced, disgusting Brits in the fucking online sphere just going like, Oh, I should have said I'm not in detail. <laughs> What are you all about? And uh, that, that'll be a fun reaction for her to have to deal See, with, but I agree. Personal Shopper, it's not a great movie. I don't think the movie is well made um, in terms of like, like the story. It just didn't really click for me. However, it is a movie completely propped up by how good Kristen Stewart is in the role. It's on Hulu. Uh, personal Shopper came out 2016. Uh, if you want to see how she can act, that's a really good example. Um, I, I hope she, I mean, she's a good actress. Like she's as good of actress. Pattinson thinks he's a good actor, so it's nice to see them like leave that. This I think is the one for her though. Taylor Lautner though. Taylor Lautner has not been able to escape at all. No. He's, stuck, he's <laughs> yeah. stuck in fucking. No, he's he like, can't get escape. He's like, I'm just the hot guy with the abs. Whatever. I give a shit. But he isn't anymore. I was just saying. I think he just let. He was like, look, I'm done fighting this. Um, I got my Twilight money. I'm out of here. I'm. I got my Wolf Boy money. Peace. Yeah. The what? When do you think Pattinson made the separation? What do you think it was? Oh. For us, I think it would be good. Uh, good boy, a good time would be it for me and Jeff. I would assume that was a really, really good movie. Yeah, right? for us, good time. But in more mainstream, probably the last two years with uh, the Lighthouse and um, Tenant. Yeah, which even if people didn't like Tenant, you still see him in that, and it's just different. It's just a different vibe. The Lighthouse is probably the one. Again, Lighthouse is not the most mainstream movie in the world, but when you see that movie plaster all over like award stuff, like there's just this. It kind of snowball where Pat's and then obviously now the Batman, like he's tied to that. And you see the way people react to it. It's just like the fact that people react so positively to it is crazy to think about. If you look back five years ago, how do we said that Rob Pattinson was playing Batman? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. So and you see like the I, I generally World War Z, not World War Z, uh, Lost City is Z. That's yeah, that's another, good movie. Yeah. Lost it's City. odd. It's like it was a collection of smaller roles. Yeah. Uh, Lost City of Z, Good Time, which is don't watch good time so if good. you're trying to relax yeah. um but yeah it's it's, it's also me. remember me a call oh wow <laughs> now, that was what, I, all time i'll call that a big of a bit of a miss yeah that was one of the most shocking endings of a movie i think i've ever <laughs> Dude, seen in my you know I, I think i've told this story before but i watched remember me because my mother recommended it to me and said that it reminded me reminded her of me and my father because <laughs> I was in like college at the time, I was like dropping out. I just wanted to like be like a blogger or a writer, and and she's like, it just reminds me like you and your dad. And I watched that movie, and I was like, how did you not tell me what was coming? At the end of this movie? What are you nuts? <laughs> I wish I could have been there for that screen re- uh, that script reading. Like like, oh, here's the final frame. Like, how did everyone in the room not just be like, uh, 
but we don't do that. <laughs> we do any um, any death for the character but that but dying in 9-11 how about that uh two more things third installment of the fantastic beast franchise we titled the secret <laughs> dumbledore <laughs> which which is this, this fucking franchise going from like offshoot harry potter to just harry potter like it's just like they're just like fuck this we gotta just make a harry potter movie this just has to be we have to make this as close to the mainline story as possible but we don't they don't even talk about beasts anymore there's no, there's no beasts this is just I, it's just harry potter i love the harry potter movies and i i have not finished either of the fantastic beasts right it's only two of them yeah mm-hmm. i have not the i've, I've tried them both so I, bad. I can't do it i can't do it it, it's bizarre. I think a really weird phenomenon, too, because it is such a massively huge, like, talked about franchise, those those original movies and the books and all that. And then I feel like that all that momentum is mostly gone. Like, it's still going to make a shit ton of money, I'm sure. But like that, it just doesn't have that same chutzpah or that the original franchise had. It's just like Jacob Kowalski or whatever that guy's name is. And Nutritious Manzinganus Scamander. Give the full name, Jeff. Give us the full fucking name. Give us New Scamander's full let's, name. Let's get his full. There's a, there's a good YouTube. By the way, if you like Harry Potter, but you're also willing to accept like the faults of Harry Potter movies, uh, Cosmonaut Picture Show on YouTube. They're very good. A two-part breakdown of Harry Potter, all the movies. Very funny. Really? He's Marcus from Co- uh, Cosmonaut Marcus. Very funny. And he hates. He's a massive Harry Potter fan. But he and he like r- rightly critiques a lot of like some of the weird shit. But he does talk about how don't how bad J.K. Rowling is with names. Yep. Even if he makes a joke, he's like, <laughs> he's like Jar Jar Binks, dumb name, but it sounds like a Star Wars name. It sounds like an alien. But then he 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 uses one of the Fantastic Beast characters. He goes. Porpentina Esther Goldstein, terrible name. <laughs> and she's now married to Newton Artemis Fido Scamander. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's such bullshit, dude. It's it's so fucking far off base now. It's insane. And it hasn't been helped, I think, this whole time by J.K. Rowling being psycho. But like, even then, if the movies are good, I don't think anyone would care, right? They stink. They stink. I've I've heard. Because uh, again, I don't really follow this franchise much because it's just never really done it for me. Um, Nick Hamilton, producer of our show, he was telling me that there are rumors, maybe, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, that this, that I guess J.K. Rowling has said that Dumbledore was gay. And then in the second Fantastic Beast, there was just no evidence of that. So they're really going all in that like double. They did the, the last one. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see with this one now. Obviously, I mean, we have to mention the big thing. Uh, I got to get his full name. I have to get his full name. Mads Mikkelsen Commander. playing Grindelwald. Yeah. Uh, subbed he, out Johnny he, they Depp. They did recast Johnny Depp. That's going to have to be a big part of it. <laughs> Which Here's they the, paid. The they still had to pay him his full contract, by the way, Johnny Depp. He got every dime that he was going to make for being in that. And they just doesn't have to do it. That's, oh, it's just, that's it's fucking just awesome. That's Geller sick. Grindelwald. It's actually, there is not a crazy name. Um, several years after the event of the crimes of Grindelwald, the story takes place partly in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and partly in Berlin, Germany, and leads up to the Wizarding World's involvement in World War II. Well, with Grindelwald's power rapidly growing. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's so funny. Whose side are they on? We're going to find out. Yeah, ooh. That's awesome. Well, they, they call <laughs> the our, our friends of the Weekly Planet, um, Mr. Sunday Movies, they call him Gay Wizard Hitler. That's what they yeah. call Grindelwald. <laughs> no, because that's literally, yeah, that's his thing. Yeah, that's what he is. 
Uh, Albus Dumbledore entrusts Newt's commander and his friends on a mission that will lead to a clash with Grindelwald's army and will lead Dumbledore to ponder how long he will stay on the sidelines in the approaching war. That, Dumbledore, boy, Dumbledore that really escalates. From, like, we need to let him attack so we can join this thing. <laughs> Grindelwald fighting side by side right with there. the Nazis. That is, that's a massive difference from that first movie. That Dude, I'll tell you what, I'm in on that. I'm in on that. <laughs> Nazi wizards, I'm very I I forget. Have you ever seen uh, what we do in the shadows fights? No, I I, I pulled a lot. I love that. I just never started it. There's a very funny part. One of the guys was uh, from like the Eastern Europe and he was a vampire and he joined the Nazis. And he's like, yeah, I had to eventually leave because like around the late 40s, being a a Nazi was no no good. Being a vampire also (laughs) no good. Being a Nazi vampire, though, like, oh, no, it wasn't going to work out at all. Now I'm thinking about that with Nazi wizards. How, how does that even work? <laughs> Late 40s being a Nazi was not so good. <laughs> Bad time to be a wizard Nazi. <laughs> Wait, do you know, do you, fights, do you know what they call? So, you know, obviously they're muggles. The British call them muggles. You know what Americans call muggles? <laughs> no. Nomad. Like no, no, no magic. Like no, no match, no dash match, and they shut up. I swear to God, in in this in the Fantastic Beast movie, yeah, no match, no match, yeah, that is infuriating. <laughs> That's that is my one of my like one of my hobbies when I'm sick is I try and watch all eight Harry Potter movies in one day. <laughs> and I've I've gotten close one time. I fell asleep like with like probably an hour to go on the eighth. It takes like 23 hours or something like that. Oh, fuck me. Yankee era socks up three, two. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but that like almost makes me want to not want to do that ever again either. That, that's, that's franchise ruining. Anyway, fantastic beast. Last thing. And I've somehow saved probably the most ridiculous thing for last. Uh, the first trailer for Kurt Warner, <laughs> the Kurt Warner biopic, American underdog has been released and in a stunning development the villain of the movie seems to be offensive coordinator mike martz (laughs) what a douchebag that's the biggest takeaway of the trailer you're like wow mike martz was an asshole i i'm the biggest i don't know if i don't know if it's the the takeaway of the trailer i don't know if i thought asshole i thought whatever this actor is looks preposterous uh, like the the facial, uh, what do you call them? Like the like the or? It looks like he's got like like an extra chin. Oh, like, okay. Looks okay. Like they took Ron Perlman's chin and put it on him. <laughs> you want to talk about? We're about to talk about a movie with a casting misfire. Dennis Quaid is Dick Vermeil. <laughs> Terrible casting. Yeah. Find another way to get D- Dennis Quaid in the movie. Dick Vermeil, Dennis Quaid. <laughs> Dennis Quaid has like a lifetime contract with the studio, though. You know what I mean? With like, what? I got I got a lot of questions about this. What studio is this? It's like an evangelical film studio. Yeah, it's oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah. I was gonna make that joke. I was gonna say that, like, what? When? When are we gonna uncover that fucking? Who's one of the mega church? Osteen guys? or something? Joel Osteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he, uh, Austin. He's the one who like financed this whole thing. Because if you're saying like in the trailer that his faith got him through or whatever the fuck the exact line was. Like, you know, 
big big jesus is doing a lot of finance <laughs> on this big j no it's yeah it's a big uh uh christian film company that makes it which is that that's why that's like obviously the big theme then, of this movie why do we give a shit it's it's because i think that it is just so funny whenever they try to do something like this especially with football where you have it so expensive getting the rights to something like this like because it, it always looks bad and this looks really bad like just visually it looks gross that like weird sheen on the whole trailer you know what i mean because they can't replicate a stadium. I actually, I, I completely agree with you, but I do think that they almost Taylor Swifted it, if this makes sense, where a lot of Taylor Swift's albums, it feels like she releases its worst song first. And then everyone's like, oh, this stinks. And then the full album comes out and you're like, oh shit, this is awesome. This looks much better compared to the live looking they gave out, whatever that was. You want to hear something funny? I just read about looking at this movie's cast is they have someone playing Ray Lewis in it, which I did. I did not see that in the trailer, but I'm curious <laughs> how that's going to work out. Yeah, you got to have Ray in. Uh, obviously, yeah, you can't have a big budget Kurt Warner movie is, without Ray Lewis. Why is Ray Lewis in the movie? It's Nick. Nick Harris is playing Ray Lewis in what? this. Why? I don't know. He's a, a fucking former linebacker for the Bills. <laughs> what? What what did the Rams do that season? Had anything to do with the Ravens? Nothing that I can imagine. Is does he like they beat the Titans? Are they going to go forward in his life past the Rams to like like the John or Cardinals shit there's, or whatever? There's no overlap with Kurt Warner and Ray Lewis. I I would imagine there's going to be some spiritual connection that they yeah. we didn't know about, but they like they just call each other and talk about God and some shit. <laughs> Dick Vermeule casting is making me laugh more. I think about it. I it's like unbelievable. It's, I, I do love that he got Adam Baldwin a gig. Yes. Like, why is Zachary Levi doing a fuck? Is he crazy religious? He is like, a very he, religious dude. Yeah. He is? Yeah. Dude, he's, because I was like, I mean, he's in the DC universe. Like, what the fuck is he doing? These kind of, Zachary Levi, too. I will say this. I bumped into him once. I not bumped into him like physically. Like, like we were in the same elevator going up to Sirius way back in the day. I think when he's promoting Shazam 1. And, I looked. I took one look at that dude. I was like, "That dude's a fucking movie star. That dude is <laughs> sexy. He was well dressed. He was wearing sunglasses in the elevator." I was like, "That guy's fucking hot." I yep. figured it out. Kurt first start was against the Ravens. Ah, okay. And Ray Lewis so picked him off. Ah, beautiful. I can't wait to watch this. Rams won. Do you yeah, think that the Kurt Warner story is a story? Like, okay, if he wasn't exceptionally Christian and if a Christian evangelical whatever studio wasn't financing it is his story worth a movie is it movie story like the actual story of Zach Levi I I would yeah I would love to see it like the 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 different version of it um I I love to see the human aspect of it and it's totally fine because I think with Kurt Warner like he does attribute so much of his success to his faith and it's his right to obviously pick how he wants his life story to be told but if you can do the movie about what's his face, Jim, whatever the fucking the relief pitcher who pitched like one inning. <laughs> yeah, true. Rookie, the no fuck. What was it? The perfect no, not perfect game. The rookie. What, rookie was the rookie. Okay. I mean, the Kurt Warner story really is Old fascinating. Rookie. Like the fact that Kurt Warner won a Super Bowl in 2000, 1999-2000 season, mm-hmm. and then went back, lost the Patriots the next year, and then really shit just went south. I mean, Garbage. people forget how bad he was in the Giants. Yeah, and then. Almost on the Giants. Yeah, and dude, yeah. dude, people, if you ask a lot of people today, I don't think they'll even remember that. They're just like, and oh yeah, he's a guy on the Rams and the Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah, and then on the Cardinals, like, I mean, really should have won a Super Bowl. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. in one of the probably five greatest games ever played, 
Rams yeah. Cardinals. Coley mentions that all the time. By the way, Coley's going to be on next week for Venom. Uh, Coley mentions it all the time. The fact that that game is not called the greatest game of all time is absurd because it features routinely like three of what are considered the greatest plays in the history of the NFL. Yep. Yeah. Like the Larry Fitzgerald touchdown run, the Dan James Antonio Harrison Holmes. interception, and the Santonio Holmes touchdown catch. Like if you have three of the top 25 greatest plays of all time, you're the greatest game of all time. <laughs> like, I just like that should be the rule. Like that's it. That should be the rule if it was a regular season game, let alone the fucking Super Bowl. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. like the Super. Yeah, that's the greatest game of all time. Um, yeah, this movie. It, I don't know. It's gonna make. I don't know. The, those. The. Uh, I still believe, which is from the same studio, and then the I can only imagine movie. Uh, and then they the other the, one, Chrissy the Metz. ice one. That was the ice one. That's the breakthrough. Yeah, something called- like that. I think they like they crush it at the box office, so we'll see. I mean, I yeah. I like her water a lot. So I hope, yeah. It, you mean you put fucking Jesus and football at the forefront of a movie? <laughs> Middle America is gonna eat that shit yeah. up like fucking, <laughs> true. They, know, yeah. fucking biscuits and gravy, whatever the fuck they eat over there. So uh, it's it, yeah, it's gonna smash. I'm, I'm putting a ceiling right now in this movie. I don't think it gets better than like a sixty out of 100 for me but like i i think as long as it's even remotely entertaining i'll be down for it because i do think kurt warner is like an, an a supremely inspirational dude and uh, i do find his story very fascinating for whatever that's worth yeah let's watch the football life instead hey, hey bro he's fucking bagging groceries and then he won the super bowl i mean that's awesome bro like, who the fuck is inspirational what are you a child who gets inspired <laughs> by any people <laughs> <laughs> you're inspired by zach levi when you, when you see him on the street and you see his big ass fake muscles that was that was another was, great story was he wearing the shazam suit for this um what do you call it? there's one shot where he's like throwing out in front of a barn and i think they just put his arm like they cgi'd it fast forward like it just <laughs> like everything else doesn't seem to be moving like that his arm's just like psh- like real quick, maybe he just throws weird, but it was it it, it caught my attention in the trip. <laughs> as long as it doesn't look as bad as uh, what was the show that did that? The Duff, oh, where the kid was like throwing the yeah, football the like that. Oh, that was a bad one. As long as it looks better than that, that's it for news. Long news, funny news though. My God, there's some wild news too. That's the nice thing about doing one of these a week. You, there's a ton of news. This episode of Lights Camera Bar Stool brought to you by Three G. That's right, Three. The number three, C H I dot com. Uh, shop for Delta 8 vapes, gummies, tinctures, oils can be used to make homemade edibles or buy their own edibles. Edibles are great. Uh, use code CAMERA, C-A-M-E-R-A, at checkout to receive 5% off your order. Uh, three cheese, a federally legal version of THC. It's a more functional alternative to marijuana. It's outstanding. Amazing buzz, great body feel, clear head, less anxiety and paranoia. It's available online at 3chi.com uh, and at retailers around the country. It must be 21 to purchase. Remember, it's not CBD. It's psychoactive. We'll give you a buzz, so make sure you use it responsibly. Uh, they have root beer taffies, uh, these eight ball candies they have now, disposable vapes. They're, uh, the products are endless. 3chi.com. Shop for Delta 8 vapes, gummies, tinctures, and oils that can be used to make homemade edibles, and they're edibles. Use code CAMERA to get 5% off your order. Um, interview, BD Wong. Got to talk to him. Pretty fucking cool. Uh, he also liked us, which is neat. I like what... Mm-hmm. I think most people like when they do interviews with us, but I like when they specifically say they they find us not boring out loud when they tell yeah, us yeah, we, always, I like you. It's always nice. Yeah, it's justified. <laughs> He's like, oh, you guys. He basically, you guys aren't idiots. That's basically yeah. what he said. And like, more words than that. Uh, yeah, we got to talk to BD Wong. He gave a really cool tease on uh, Jurassic World as well. So here's our interview. Oh hell yeah! All right, we are very pleased to be joined 
by BD Wong. Thank you so much for uh, for taking the time out here today. How are hey, we? We just did a little exchange, but you know we're recording now. So how are you overall? How are things going? Thanks for asking. I'm I'm good. I I, I think it's a crazy time to be a human being, and um, it has been for several years now. And and learn a lot from that. And uh, I don't know what else to say about it except. Um, uh, I'm grateful to be, you know, none the worse for wear, as they say, <laughs> yeah. alive, you know, and functioning and and waiting to see what's next. While, uh, while we have shows and movies to talk about, I, I got to bring up a video. Obviously, you know, we, we you know, we want to make sure we know Stone unturned when we research Uh-oh. you. So obviously, you know, my Google Chrome will have an algorithm and learn and sees that I'm looking up your name. And YouTube this morning suggested a video with you. It was the first thing I saw when I woke up this morning, but it had nothing to do with a movie or a show. It was a food video. Do you have any idea what video I'd be talking about? Of course. Yes, of course. This is a cornerstone of my existence on the internet, as far as I'm concerned. Um, not only because of the amount of hits that it has, but because it's something that people ask me about all the time. I think if you're talking about the instructional video about how to properly eat a chicken wing. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't know if it was the combination of I ordered wings the other day and was looking at videos like interviews with you. And it's like, this is they're like, we found it. This is the perfect video for you right now. Thanks. I'm um, I'm proud of the video. You know, not really, but, but, but proud of it in that it was a spontaneous thing. You know, they're doing a photo shoot and these things they're like like we're doing right now. And somebody says, hey, hey, you know, uh, we want to do something where you teach people how to do something. And I thought, I don't know how to do anything. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to do anything. So, And then I say, no, think about it. And then I was like, well, I don't know. I guess I could show them how to eat a chicken wing because I have a specific way of eating chicken wings. And they went out and bought chicken wings. And um, it just kind of all came together. It was one take and it was done. Oh. Insanely yeah, useful advice, though. I mean, very. It's it's very yeah. useful. Yes. Yeah, exactly. There are variations to the way that I do it in the video, um, but uh, that is the the method that I have developed for myself. I'm not the first person to have ever done it, but I have. I like to uh, answer uh, like do, I, I like to try to do something in the most efficient way possible. I think mm-hmm. that's a thing about that I have about things, and that has always driven me crazy is the fact that there are these two bones that are stuck together and then there's this yeah. meat and you can't <laughs> get at it and it, i hate that and so wanted to figure out a way to actually be sat my mother has always been a really big she always got the chicken wings when we had a family chicken and we were like why do you want that the chicken wing like that's like such so, so low self-esteem you should be aiming higher for a better piece of the chicken and she's just like no no this is the best part of the chicken and over the years, I've figured out why she means that. And, and, and now that I have figured out this method, uh, I, I agree. It's closer to the bone Incredible. than the breast. That's where all the flavor comes from is the marrow. Yes, yes. It's flavor and, and the texture is so, so nice too. Mm-hmm. Chicken wings to shows and movies. Let's talk Nora from Queens season two. Um, Aquafina, who's very top of mind right now with yeah. obviously being in what has been the biggest movie of 2021. Yeah. Uh, through the pandemic with Shang-Chi. Uh, but you play Aquafina's dad. You also directed an episode, new episodes premiering Wednesdays, 10-9 Central, Comedy Central, directing. Yes, directing. Yeah. That's a pretty big, that's a pretty big thing for you, right? Like what was the hardest thing adapting to being behind other side of the camera as well? 
it's hard. It, it was, I think mostly it is, um, what's the word? Uh, you know, it's, it's, you're split five different ways doing it. You're as, as a director, a person is generally, there's a more pressure on that person to answer all the questions and to kind of organize everyone and bring everyone together as like a team and all that stuff. There's a, there's more energy that has to go into it. And, and so that, that's one part of it. And then the other part of it is then on top of that, when you're in it at the same time, you're forced to do something that's actually not natural at all, which is to do the, what I just mentioned, be all those people and take care of everyone. But then also you're having to kind of give a performance that is hopefully the best quality that you would normally just have to just think about being doing the performance. You wouldn't have to worry about all the other stuff. And so then here I'm sitting there, say on the couch in the living room in a scene, and then they're giving me a monitor on an iPad and I'm looking at myself and I'm looking at like, I'm trying to figure, okay, that's what I look like from the camera that's over there. And then it just becomes super complicated, super uh, um, kind of like you get in your head about, it's just very weird, very, really weird and, and fun. And I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it when it turned out well. And I think, and ultimately one of the reasons why I'm here today is because the episode turned out well and everyone, everyone's kind of into it. So, so I'm, I'm happy about that, but but in the meantime, it's pretty stressful. Like I have um, a couple of scenes in that episode where there are flashbacks. Okay, so then flashbacks in our show often means weird period costumes. No spoilers, and I'm realize I can't even go really back to my trailer dressing room to change my clothes. I have to dress like this all day. So I can direct the rest of the episode. Like I'm, I'm on duty. So the little things like that, that people wouldn't know about, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. You, I mean, you've worked with so many directors and some just massive names. I feel like, I mean, I guess explain, like when you get behind the camera, was there like a, a name that popped in your head? Like, do I want to be like this person? Do I want to be my own person? Mm-hmm. Do you like, do you kind of feel that influence at all from like your years of just working with so many different directors? Yes. And I, uh, I hate to say it. I think the, the list of names is the list of people you don't want to be like, right? Uh, one person comes to mind whose name I will never say, but I did a, a movie not that long ago with someone who I did not get along with and who wasn't good and nobody got along with them. And it was, it was not a good situation. And, um, but I learned a lot about why I didn't like this method of directing and what it was. And it had to do with this talent for talking to, to actors and understanding what it is that we do so that you can get them to be their best self, right? Instead of, a, a friend of mine was telling me an example, um, she worked on uh, this show, The Sinner, and had a, had a director that said the words, just pretend like it's actually happening to you. That was their direction for the scene. That's not helpful when you're, that's, if you're not doing that all the time, then something's terribly wrong. It's not going get, to get you to give a, per- but that shows that that particular director didn't know what actors are actually doing kind of. And that's, there's nothing more frustrating than that, than being an actor and, and going just, I, you know, I have it. I know I can give you the best performance I can give you, but you need to help me because you're the third eye. You're the person that can watch it and then, process it and tell me how to make it better but if you can't articulate those things properly then we're it's it's kind of in trouble and you get really frustrated with those people so i've had experiences like that i didn't want to have i didn't want so i think the actors would hopefully say 
that I was okay with in that department. Because I do really do know, of all the things that I don't know, I really do know what the actors are going through. And I can kind of help them find their way the best in the best way possible. Um, but I, you're right. I have worked with a lot of really great directors and you've learned so much wonderful things from all of them, how they, you know, just make their way through it and how they get everyone together. Actually kind of love our, uh, unnamed directors advised, uh, simply just act. Duh. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's right. So like I've been watching your shows and movies since I was like a little kid, like Jurassic Park came out like the year I was born. So like I've your entire life I've been exposed to, but I think that your role as Wally is the first time that I think I've ever seen you play what I would consider to be a himbo. And I'm assuming that had to be a particularly challenging role because like, I don't see you, you ever play like a beefcake, like a, like a guy who's just kind of like this big, not too overthinking, not in like a certain sort of role. You're just a very different sort of role for you. How did you, uh, how did you compare it maybe to your previous stuff? I, 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 thanks for mentioning it only because I like to talk about how really rare that, how that, the fact that it is really rare and why that would be and what that has to do with, my role and my career in as when it comes to like what well, when we call representation and Asian American men and all of that stuff, it's like, you know, they actually kind of heady topics that have created for me and my uh, career, their own built in challenges. And, and so here's a, a situation where I'm playing a part and I'm noticing, Oh, wow. You know, you've never done this before. Like you've never, you've never interfaced with the material in a way then which that's the role that you're playing. That's the effect that you're having. And that's the, character that you are it, it's it, it was not normal for me it was not normal for me to have um a relationship with another person actually if you can imagine i've played all these people doctors scientists different kinds of people funny not funny but i've never actually had a relationship with anybody which is alarming right mm -hmm. for, for having done it so so long in 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 not for having done it so long as i have to, to go, wow, you've never had a boyfriend or girlfriend in a, in a, in a piece. And here's your first, you know, romantic relationship. That's really, that was a heavy revelation actually for me to realize and made me really want to work harder to have this kind of experience more because I really do like it. And what you will notice is that 90% of the great relationships in, and, and the sto great storytelling that comes from characters or leading characters is because of that relationship that they have with another person. They're a spouse or they're this or they're at odds with the person or there's divorce or all of those things are human relationships. That's the top of the food chain of human relationships is intimacy. And so for me to go, wow, I've worked for decades and not enjoyed that as an actor is really sad to me. Yeah, it is, it is kind of bizarre, really. Yeah. And you, you have a very complicated role in the sense that, like, not only are you a father that's like still dealing, you know, widower, um, yeah. you're also working on raising a kid and now like breaking into the relationship scene. That is a lot. And I feel like that, I guess that had to be like a very new experience, which had to be, I guess, almost refreshing for you, right? Really refreshing. And I was really also lucky on top of that because they gave me this gift of Jennifer Esposito, this actor who plays the love interest. And she's incredibly light and full of energy and and supportive and, and really sexy and all that stuff and 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 I really enjoyed that part of it more even more so with her than um, I think I normally would so, um, but yeah it, it, it was kind of heavy and kind of like but super interesting like I, I'm here I'm talking about it with you guys and I think that's the reason for it is so that we can talk about it and we can process it or whatever 
I, I like that you referenced the um, the representation earlier because I, I think for me, when I, one of the most um, the my favorite moments of the show just came in early in the pilot was when Nora has that tries to have that sort of like big emotional moment speaking to you and the grandmother, and she's like. She starts speaking Mandarin and like about wanting to move out and have a big moment. And you're like watching Crank Yankers and you're just like, uh, what are you doing? Because yeah. I think that this is partially emblematic about what a lot of people have liked about it. And that it's a show about an American born Chinese person, but it's not wholly about being American born Chinese, if that right. makes sense. And I think yes. that has resonated a lot. And thank you for noticing that. I mean, that is a, a thing that we... You, you, you're torn. You, you don't want to talk about it, over talk about it. But at the same time, you do want people to notice it. And so uh, or be able to understand or or process it. And that is exactly what it is. They don't talk m more about the fact that she's speaking her mother tongue language or whatever. She just does it. And then you go, what are you doing? And then you realize there's conflict somewhere in there about that or a different way of looking at it than you might generally see on another kind of show where the language becomes this big thing or, or, or whatever. And, and you, you get to see the different points of view of different people of different generations in our show. And ironically, I'm the older person in the older generation. You'd think I would be more committed to the use of the mother tongue and here the daughter is doing, you know, it's, it's all kind of, kind of interesting, really just a, diff, in just a different, different way to tell these same kind of stories that people over, over stress or overuse in other kinds of um, shows. Mm -hmm. Nora from Queens season two, again, Wednesdays, 10, nine central comedy central. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We asked this question to uh, Elijah Wood a couple weeks ago about Lord of the Rings. And I'm curious what you say about this. Now yours is different because your franchise is still going. Um, but like, do you have a different appreciation for Jurassic park? Maybe like once every couple, like, is there, like when you look back on it, you think about it, someone brings it up, like do you appreciate it in a different way as kind of time passes from just because it's such like it's not just a big movie. It's it's a staple. It's an iconic cornerstone of cinema, basically. Like, do you does that change for you at all over the years? How you view it, like looking back on it? Yeah, great question. You're, you guys are great. You guys are not just like just taking up space. Thank you for asking the question. <laughs> Tell us more actually. about dinosaurs. Yeah, no, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite? Well, listen, dinosaur? you know, it's this is the thing. And so, I would say I do have a a, a growing appreciation of, of a, 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 a kind of depth to that appreciation. I started out doing the first movie, and I didn't take it seriously at all. First of all, I didn't feel like I was taken seriously as a character in that first movie. I wasn't. They didn't even explain what happened to that person, and the fact that they didn't explain what happened to that person opened the door for him to return because he wasn't accounted for actually. And so their negligence actually became something that uh, was an opportunity for me. And now here then I've done three more of these uh, uh, Jurassic World films, the third one just having been completed. And the arc, the, the filmmakers have a real um, allegiance to the character and a real affection for him and want that arc to be satisfying to the fans. And so I feel that um, uh, effort being made on his behalf. And I appreciate that because I didn't want to just do the same thing every single time. And so I felt, I feel like it evolves and it evolves to a, a, a very satisfying place to me because he had this incredible epic death in the book that just never really got delivered in the first movie. And, and so now we have this, 
um, no spoilers, but there's a there's a, a resolution or a, a, an ending to the whole thing that that is is really satisfying to me. And I think as a consumer, I never really understood. I thought yeah, it's a big franchise and that's great and all, and all that. But but now I think putting it all together uh, as far as the layers are concerned and how it affects me, it's certainly how it has affected my career and my livelihood. You know, it's all kind of very complex. I can't really write it off as just this or just that. It has cultural elements. Pop. I'm always interested in participating in some way in the popular culture, not just being there, but actually, you know, saying, and this is when I did this and it was noteworthy or not noteworthy because, and this is an, um, uh, this is an example of how I can actually point to something that I've done that is a blip on the, you know, on the timeline of something, three movies that they, they made the one and then they made three more later on. Who, who knew that that would ever happen yeah. and why and how, what, under what circumstances would that actually ever happen again? And under what circumstances would they revisit a character over many decades? That's something you don't get to do as an actor ever. You don't get to say, oh yeah, I, I started playing this role, you know, the year you were, the year you were born. And um, it, it's, 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 it's continued to kind of bear fruit for me. You, you have any little tease for the next one? Any, any like, is, is it, is it grand or is it bigger? Like, is there, how do, how do you feel about it now that you've wrapped? No, no, I really, uh, you know, uh, that spoilers are spoilers and you're not allowed to give them and you get in big trouble and you sign yeah. a thing. And so you guys mm-hmm. all know that, but I will say that it's, it is bigger. It's like, they really wanted to go out with a bang and they made the last one really big. I think it's like bigger and longer and more like a film than just this kind of, you know, another installment of they wanted to wind it down. You know, all the principles from Jurassic Park are in it. Laura Dern, Sam Neill and Jeff Goldemar are on it. And they're not in it just like, oh, look, there they are. They're playing leading parts mm. in the movie. So there's Bryce and Chris Pratt, who are the Jurassic World couple. And then there are these three honorary kind of huge iconic kind of characters that are coming back resolving their relationships and their relationships to the whole conundrum of dinosaurs existing and all that stuff and so it's kind of big it's like there's a there's a weight to it that i i like i like thinking about it was the first movie that came back into production after the movies all shut down last year and that was meaningful because it set up a lot of protocols that are still being used today and that were so important to getting the industry back on its feet. So that was the uh, the side effect of that for us was that we were all quarantined in the same hotel. Um, and there was this kind of, you know, team team spirit feeling that came as, as a result of that. We were all there working on the same scene the night of the election on November 3rd or 6th or whatever it was. And so that was memorable. Um, but it is big. It's like every person who goes in to do their real, you know, you re, it's called looping when you go say your lines again and you, they clean up the dialogue and all this, you go to a recording studio and you get to see like three minutes of the movie. Every single person that's gone in every one of the actors has come back to the group text that we have. And like, you guys, this is incredible. Like incredibly beautifully shot mm-hmm. and, you know, really epic. And I can't believe it's even more than the other the other two were before it. 
that's a good non-spoiler tease. That's yes. see, that's that's a great tease. <laughs> you didn't, and now Universal, they're not going to come down and tell you, you know, you got to go to no. jail or something. So and they can't. They should pay me extra. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. yes, agreed. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about another movie of yours that had what we'll call like a little bit of um, a break before revival, uh, and that's Mulan. And Mulan, oh, and yeah. I mean, fans of our podcast know I'm like I love Mulan, and like, you know, it's funny. I'm I'm going to a bachelor party not long after we wrap, and on our group, whenever one of us just says the words "Let's get down to business," we break into the song yeah. of yeah. "I'll Make a Man Out of You" because we love the song so much. But uh, just talking about the singing, it, the voice of Lee Shang was done by in the singing by Donny Osmond, and we had recently talked to James Marsden, who was an Enchanted, and he yeah. got the opportunity to sing it only after like they said yeah, we're looking for someone to do the voice for you. Like as we speak, he's like, Oh, I'll just try it. And he did it. Yeah. So did you ever want to do the actual singing for that role of Lee Shang? You know, I kind of, I don't want to like sell myself short because I can sing. Right. Uh, but they didn't uh, to make a long story short that I can boil it down to one sentence. And that was what they said to me. And they said it with all seriousness and no irony is you know what? His singing voice sounds more like your speaking voice than your singing voice does. <laughs> How does that make sense? It doesn't. Um, it it does never not, has no. to me. I mean, I suppose that there is a world in which Johnny Osmond might call my mother and sing happy birthday to her and and she would believe it was me, maybe? That's what they mean? Is that what they mean? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Hmm, maybe conversely, your singing voice sounds like Donny Osmond speaking. So maybe now you can now impersonate Donny Osmond. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe, were... maybe you mean maybe the shoe should be on the other foot in some movie. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, so I don't know what that would be, but yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. That was an absolute blast. Nora from Queen Season 2, Wednesdays, 10, 9 Central. Not just on camera, behind the camera as well. Maybe they'll let you, maybe they'll do another three Jurassic World movies after this. You can direct all three of them. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine three more of those movies? Wow. That would be an experience that would be really, I mean, I, I like I just to tie it together, I, I think about what we did in you know, a little Comedy Central show and, and how hard it is to direct something like that. And then you go watch the Colin Trevorrow in this gigantic movie, multi, 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 hundreds of millions of dollars and stuff like that. And and then not even mentioning COVID and everything that goes with that. Just like how a person actually does that. I mean, I'm not sure if I want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, that would be cool. I, like I you're off to a pretty good start though. in films and stuff like that. What'd you say? You're off to a pretty good start though. So. Yes. Thanks. Yeah, you know. Thanks. You guys <laughs> Thank are you so much. Yes, appreciate it. Much right. appreciated. Thank, Thank you so you. much, man. You're welcome. I could, I could, I almost, I just wanted to make up so badly what he said about the movie to do a few fights, but I just didn't have it in me. Mm-hmm. Just didn't, just too tired. It's going to be like Dom Toretto shows up and, and kills the T Rex. He told us. <laughs> um, all right. We have an interview with Billy Bob Thorne. Let's talk about Dear Evan Hansen first. We can just go to the interview if you want. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Let's get out of here. Dear Evan Hansen. Uh, it's based on. A musical that came out in 2015, uh, ran for two years, won a shitload of awards. Uh, Tony's are happening right now, actually. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I, okay, so this isn't going to happen, but somebody noted this in the LCD Reddit, and I didn't know this, that if Ben Platt wins an Oscar for this movie. Which he won't. He gets his EGOT? He gets an EGOT for only Dear Evan Hansen? Yeah, oh. it's a, a that quad EGOT. A quad I almost want him to win just for that, but it ain't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't happening. And I like Ben Platt. I want to note, too, off the top here, I like Ben Platt. I don't think this movie is Ben Platt's fault at all. Oh no, I no, I don't think so. Ben Platt is immensely talented. Who should who should we start with? How how do we break down the glory that is Devin uh, Dear Evan Hansen? Let me just tell you this: I woke up at seven thirty this morning and I decided that was the time I wanted to watch this movie. Oh no! So I fucking just decided to punt a Sunday with just the moment I woke up. I was like, let's fuck it, let's ruin the day. Let's fucking throw this day right in the trash. Here is a synopsis for those who don't know. Uh, again, based on a Broadway play that originally starred, I, I almost said just a completely different name because I was going to mix up the two people, who, uh, Ben Pasek and, and Justin Paul, Pasek and Paul, who are also very talented. Uh, they've done many stage things. Uh, they were heavily involved uh, with The Greatest Showman, uh, with La La Land. They did these broad, this Broadway show. So Ben Platt started this originally. He's back. Playing high school. He's my age, by the way, now to make that. Well, so, I mean, look, it's the main thing we're going to talk about. It just has to be. It's the biggest thing with this movie. Evan Hansen is an anxious, isolated high school student who's acting for under, who's uh, aching for understanding and belonging amid the chaos and cruelty of the social media age. He soon embarks on a journey of self-discovery when a letter he wrote for a writing exercise falls from the hands of a grieving couple whose son took his life. The couple believes because the son had this letter that he was friends with Evan Hansen and he was like his only friend. And Evan Hansen goes about basically telling a lie as he dates his person's sister. And this whole thing, and it ends up being like a quote unquote good thing because it's raising awareness for anxiety and suicide or all this stuff, mental health, but he's propping up a lie that he actually knew this person and that the letter was intended. Then he, he fakes emails and fakes all these things and it comes crashing down. Yada, yada, yada. It's a complicated story. It's, it's like, it's not like, it's not like Tarantino dark. I don't know, like, but it is like, it's kind of dark. Oh, yeah. It's fucked. Um, but it's, it's, it's a movie and a Broadway show and a story that, that tackle mental health very heavily. And it's a heavy topic. And the biggest problem with this movie, I, I, I hate that this is the problem, but it is. And I hate the fact that we're talking about this after everyone has roasted it. Because it sounds like we're just piling on. He's too old to be in this movie. He's, he's not. just too old. It's it's a funny thing because so here's the deal. He def, obviously he looks too old. He is. I mean, you could make an argument that Ben Platt is showing signs of a receding hairline, and he's <laughs> playing a, a a high schooler. But Ben Platt is the same age as Taylor Kitsch in Friday Night Lights. Wait, really? And, what's that? Really? Like, yeah, Taylor he's is fucking my age. That's bizarre. Well, I, I thought it, it was like thirty-five. No, he, he, a kid might be thirty-five now, but he was twenty-eight during Friday Night Lights. Oh, okay, 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 okay. And um, and he, I think the main difference there in first of all, the main difference is obviously attractive level, but there's also I think the difference is that Taylor Kitsch was playing an adult, so to speak. 
right? Like Tim Riggins was an adult. He drank beers, he fucked girls, whatever. Ben Platt's character is a child. Like that's the only way that character works is if it's a naive, scared child. And that is weird when you mm-hmm. have a 30 Here's the thing though. Friday Night Lights, they all looked the same age. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Spider-Man. People are like, Tobey Maguire. No, they all looked the same. If if you want all of them to be old, great. Do it. The problem is most of the people in this movie, and there's a couple older ones, like Kaylin, Kaylin Dever's not 17 years old. Right. Well, Kaylin Dever looks younger. Mm-hmm. But she does. She's 24. She's a little younger than Evan Hansen. Uh, how old is Amanda, uh, Amanda Stenberg? She is... I guess like 25. Yeah, a little 24. She is also, by the way, in The Hate You Give, great movie. Uh, mm-hmm. She's 22, younger. So younger. But for the oh, most wow. part, like he looks so much older than everyone else. And it is so distracting. I've never seen anything like it. There's a reviewer who said it. Fuck, it might have been. I watched a couple reviews in the movie before I saw it. Might have been Jeremy Johns. I just like crediting if they make the joke. He mentioned it's like the 21 Jump Street joke. It's like, it's like right. when when well, Dave Franco's like, you the fact you look like a fucking 40 year old. Like that's like, and here's the thing. And I've been I've been dying to say this. Ken Jack, you know what I'm about to say about this character. They made him, mm-hmm. <laughs> the attempt to make him look different. He just looks wet. He looks soaked. He's the He's the single dampest movie character I've ever seen in my life. I, the hair, his hair is so different in the show, in the Broadway show. It's, I, I think, I think it's the, they're trying to show like the anxiety and stuff like that. And I think that's an, an insult to Ben Platt's acting. It's like, dude, just make it, just look like you have anxiety. Look like you're stressed out. And they're like, no, we just got to hit you with like a, a the, seating hairline, a spray bottle beforehand. But Kendra, I'm sorry, Jeff, I th- 99 out of 100 times I agree with you that if everyone looks old, then it's fine. But I think even if everyone looked old in this, it's weird because so many of his actions are the actions of a child who has been caught in his lie and doesn't really even understand the, the depth and the gravity of what he's doing and continues to double down. But when you see a fucking 30-year-old doing it, you're like, this is really creepy. Mm-hmm. I think like <laughs> yeah. so. So for me, characters a piece of shit. It's like at times you're like, yeah, Fuck this guy. Oh, not not at times. The like entire, almost the entire yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah, the entire time he's a sociopath. He's a scumbag. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, even Connor is. Everyone I'm supposed to have sympathy for. And this is something I thought even when I saw the play. This isn't just the movie. Dude, I walked out of the play being like, how the fuck did that when any Tony's that play sucked. That like, and which I want I want to stress for you continue. You like. Fights is a great get. Fight. You are a big. You've seen a ton of shows. I've seen a lot. I see. I, I, it's my favorite thing to do in the city. I love going to shows. And walking out of that one, I went with two friends who who are not big Broadway people, and everyone was like, "Is that what Broadway's like?" I was like, "No, fucking a race." <laughs> yeah. There's everyone you're supposed to have sympathy for, from Connor to to Ben uh, uh, to Connor to Evan Hansen. Like none of them have enough story behind them to have sympathy for them. Like, Connor, the only things we get fed from him are, like, he tried to fucking murder his sister and kicked in his door. Like, fuck this guy. And also, what kind of person commits suicide with a pot? Like, they don't even enter their pockets. They don't even take the trash out first. There's so many plot holes here. It's insanity. So I think uh, just I want to loop back for the the age thing. I I think 
it's not a game breaker to the point where like a lot of people on social media are like, I can't watch this because he looks too old. Like to me, it didn't, it never hit that part. I think that got a little overhyped, but it's yeah. very, very apparent that. And I think it, it, by contrast, more than anything else, like you were saying, um, because he, everyone else around him isn't around that same age. But I think what almost made that worse is that they dressed him like, like an elementary school kid. Or something like the goofy fucking polos and the slacks and shit. And like everyone else was dressed cool and normal. And then they dressed him up like a little like a little kid. Yeah. And like it's, that's the thing, too, because, again, like like we said, that like so much of his actions based on him being are, are can only be explained by him being a child. And then you and then you couple that with basically the infantilization of him. And you're like, this is just weird. this is mm-hmm. it almost feels like he's like. He was kidnapped by a family who lost their son, which yeah. like, kind of happens. And then they just treat him like a baby and because the mother's mind's gone and she just sees him as his son. I'm basically describing a Criminal Minds episode right now. <laughs> but it's, it's fucking bizarre. It's really, really it's- bizarre. It's really weird. Um, but again, I, I think it isn't to the point where it makes me like stop my point in the movie and be like, oh, I can't watch this. But I, I think... To give the movie credit, I want to just credit first because I think there's so many things wrong with it. Uh, I do like the songs, but considering they're it's all done by Platt, who's in the original, I almost don't want to give him too much credit for that because if that's what's so great about the play, it's just like, it makes sense. We're just doing literally the same exact thing. And I don't think that the way that they shot like any of the musical numbers in this were particularly great. And like the elements that they needed to convert in order to make it into a good movie from a play weren't really done with, with finesse. It feels like the movie was like jammed together which really hurt like the pacing. Like it almost, and I'm sure because if you saw the musical, you could tell me better fights. But like I could almost feel like while I'm watching it, I, I like they there was points where you're in the script said, okay, we're out of act one, now we're in act two. Because like the entire tempo yeah. would just fucking flip. And like it, it would be, be such a fucking jarring changeover. And that to me took me out more than anything else. And also I, I feel like they took a kind of shitty and surface level approach to mental health. And they took that with very, very, very poor finesse. Right. You know, and it, and if that wasn't the focus of the movie, like I wouldn't really matter to me, but it is. So it does. And, and what's kind of funny is like if you strip away that aspect and like the seriousness that talking about mental health demands, the plot is almost like this, like Larry David esque, like domino effect of escalating lies and bizarre storytelling. But because they they think because they they include mental health in it, that like it just demands you, you, you take it seriously, no matter how fucking crazy it is. Ken Jack, I'd give you a fucking hug right now if I could. That was my next talking point, and that's fucking spot on. Because this was in 2015 before, you know, I think probably in the last three years, mental health really had like a big, not resurgence, but surge onto social media and into pop culture and shit like that. And I think in 2015, this might have been seen as brave and and something different and new. Now I think it comes off as extraordinarily cheap and hacky. I think Mm -hmm. like everything about it is – is very certain, like you said, surface level. It doesn't get. It's all like, it's like, it's like oh, kid killed himself because he's fucking. He has fingernail. He, he paints his fingernails and dresses in black and like all kinds of fucking. It's it out is, of touch. It's like it is a very elementary uh, exploration of mental health that I I think is like I, I think I think in particularly in the last year with like just with the pandemic and stuff like that, it's become. Not harder to talk about it, but almost like we expect more out of it if yeah. you're telling a mental health story. And yes. this just does not fit the bill at all. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is just like it, 
it feels to me watching it now, and I think yeah, you that's a great point that just like the, in 2015, obviously, this is a whole different conversation. In 2015, this is probably seen as very progressive, but now watching this, it felt more hollow and more cash grabby and yeah. very like out of touch yeah. with reality. And the thing is, like, if it melt made if watching this movie made anyone who has or is going through mental health issues feel better, that's great. But watching for watching from it with from like my perspective, I'm like, this doesn't feel like it's 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 taking this very seriously. It feels like they're using that as a plot device as opposed to trying to tell a story, you know? Hundred I I wanted to <laughs> jump out of a window, maybe isn't the right phrase to use here, but I'm gonna do it anyway. I wanted to jump out of a window during the scene when his video finally goes viral and people are like, everyone needs to see this. Evan's right. We're not alone out here. Mm-hmm. That's like it's like they might as well have thrown in the it's okay to not be okay. Like, yeah, we fucking get it. It's a hashtag congratulations. But that's mm-hmm. you can't be a mental health movie and use fucking hashtags. It doesn't, it doesn't, but that scene infuriated me. Yeah, that that was bizarre. It's oh, man, it it's just and I don't even know because again. I, it's just, it is very different from the show in terms of like how the setup is, but it, it, do you, do you prefer one over the other? Like, do you think the Broadway show maybe hit a little differently for you? Cause I know there were changes. The ending was changed pretty significantly as well. Like the story still kind of wraps the same, Yeah. but the way they show, and I know from like reading like how the other one ended, but I guess you'd have a better idea because you saw it. They they change the ending a bit. Like, does one at least does does the Broadway show still at least hit a little like cleaner? Like, is it this really the story is? There's a review that again, this is me because I don't know how to use words properly. Phony is a great word. It's, everything mm-hmm. feels kind of phony. But yep. the Broadway show at least conveyed a little better. Not really. And and I so I saw I saw the Broadway show. I feel like I heard you say earlier that it did a two year run. Um, it did longer than that. Maybe Platt did two years because I saw it like. A year and a half ago. Okay, maybe. Well, okay, it was. It was probably. So it was. I think we talked about this last time. The plot had done like two two years because I thought he was there for like fucking ten. Like I thought he was there forever. Yeah, it's it's still it's still running. You can go see it. Um, at least you know before the pandemic it was. I don't know if it made it out. Um, but uh, you know, it it actually the Broadway show was the same as this pl- as this movie was for me, in the sense that like halfway through I even stopped paying attention. I was so disappointed. Like. I, I never I, I've made like a conscious decision or a conscious effort in the last few years to really stop when I'm watching something I either want to or have to watch. I like really stop using my phone and about halfway through. Actually, no, exactly halfway through this movie. I picked up my phone. I looked at it. Cause it was like 108 left and 108 into it. It was like literally halfway through the movie. I was like, fuck this. I'm gonna start fucking around on my phone. So <laughs> I, I don't even remember exactly how the Broadway play ended, but it was. They both both of them just did not land for me at all because again I, I think like Ken Jack was saying it does it feels very cheap phony like Jeff said everyone's saying the same things uh, I think I said hacky it's just not how we talk about mental health anymore and it's if it, it, you can tell it feels like a, a movie or a, a play from yesteryear it, it felt like a movie that people who don't have mental health issues watch to make themselves feel good about themselves. Yes, exactly. If that makes sense. Yeah, like it makes them feel like, oh, I get it now. It's like, I don't think you do. Even like that, that fucking like they like all the fucking contrived scenes, like towards the end when Julianne Moore's like, I didn't even know you were hurting. You have to like what? You what? Were you talking like ten medications? Were you talking? You didn't know he was hurting. It's like it, it's not even one of those things like you should have noticed. You literally pay the bills 
to see the fucking therapist because he's hurting. It's like they forced that conversation in there. So it, it oh, it's so. That to me is another big point of emphasis as to why I felt like this was kind of a, a huge disappointment beyond the obvious is that like it took it was a big waste of talent. Right. It took Julianne Moore and Amy Adams, who are arguably two of the top, the best actresses working right now and put them in this movie. And like Caitlin Dever, also fantastic actress. She's going to be there one day in that same tier tier, uh, I think maybe in the next decade, in my opinion. But like they weren't given a lot to work with. And it felt like they were kind of had to like sleepwalk through these lines and be used as like plot devices for Ben Platt's journey instead of getting to be characters of their own. And like, yeah. those are two actresses, Amy Adams and fucking Julianne Moore. They deserve to be characters. They do not deserve to be fucking stepping stones for another main character. You know what I mean? And they were just like there. They were, they just existed in this movie, but they weren't able to do anything. And that is a fucking egregious offense. If you ask me. And every, everything they did like, to Julianne Moore, this one scene we were saying, where she was kind of wasted is like, is the when they're walking out of the house after they offer Connor's college fund. And it's just a scene you've seen 50 million times. And it's just not a scene. That's not how the real world would work. I don't think like if like it's, it's fucking a college fund. You have to use it to go to college. This kid's no longer here. They're offering to pay you. You can't afford it. Like, and you'd be like, no, that's not how our family does things. Like, shut the fuck up. Shut mm-hmm. up. Julia, like not Julia Moore, but whatever the character's name is. Shut up. That's just, it's, Every everything about this movie infuriated me. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a tremendous bummer. Oh, and I guess we could note the score. Uh, I gave I gave it a twenty nine out of a hundred, and I'm very hell. I'm I'm very stuck in that score. I'm not moving from that. I gave it a thirty seven. It's it's not good. It's bad. It's tough. I'm, I'm in the I'm in the fucking. I'm I'm just gonna pick something right now. Fourteen. I'll give it. Garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's a, this movie's this movie's an insult. This movie's an insult to anyone who's I, ever had mental health issues or anyone who's ever liked a musical. Both of us can be pissed yeah, off. And like we've, and that's the thing, like we've talked about in the pod plenty. Like mental is very important to us. This pod, like it's, I just, I didn't like the way this this story told it. It just, and, but again, like here's the thing, like I don't, and it's not malicious, but man, the only thing I could fucking stop thinking about was how old he looks. It's just mm-hmm. so distracting, and he looks so wet. <laughs> oh, it looks so, so damp. It is, and this is actually one of those ones too, because I, I think we've kind of all said it, not in so many words. Where it is one of those ones where, it, like, you feel bad shitting on it because it really is the fault of kind of no one who we're making fun of. Well, they said they said it was Ben Platt or no one. Why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why? Why is that the case? Yeah. It's, but like, like it's. I think it's almost like a fault of the time, where like, it's almost like an old Office episode where, if you watch it now, the, the humor is cringy. Like if you watch this now, the the message is cringy. Like that's just not. You know what I was thinking too after watching this was that I think I would hate this so much more than I do if it wasn't for cats being so recent on the brain still, and that being such a, like a nuclear meltdown of a play adaption. And like this to me, I'm like, okay, well at least it's not cats. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, like, it's bad, but it's not cats. I didn't, I didn't even see that one. Cause the cats is the only play I've ever walked out of. <laughs> Jeff's a big cats guy. You shouldn't tell him that. Dude, my, my parents, I, this is when I was younger. We were probably, I don't know. Well, I, I'll probably, I was probably early. I was, it's probably 14. I was probably the score of this movie. And my parents were like, let's get up. Let's get the fuck out of this. <laughs> Explaining a, a cats to a kid. Like, I can't even begin to <laughs> imagine. That's worse than the birds and the bees, dude. Like, I can't even begin to figure out how that would work. 
<laughs> Fucking this movie, man. Weird. Awful score, though. Awful scores all around. Um, I don't recommend it. Nah, skip this one. You, it's an easy miss. Just listen to the soundtrack on Spotify and you'll be set. I'm honestly even underwhelmed by the music. I think Ben, ben Platt's voice is nice. I don't even think any of the songs are particularly great. I like the opening one, and I liked... The opening um, one's pretty good. Um, Anandela uh, Steinberg's one, or Steinberg's. I always forget her fucking name. Sorry. She's a good actress. Um, but uh, I think I think their numbers were good. For the first one, I, I don't know who uh, the, the name you're mispronouncing is. Um, I, what character was she? Uh, she's the class president. Okay, that's that's who I figured you're talking about. She's like singing in the library when she's singing. Yeah, yeah. I okay, thought that one was good. good too. Yeah, those yeah. Are yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, just yeah, skip. For, for Big time skip. Tony Award winning play, two songs doesn't get you there. You can't. Mm-hmm. That. Exactly. That's true. Uh, what do you call it? I can't wait for you to watch. We should come back and do our um, West Side Story one when we do that. I'm in. Hundred <laughs> percent. Curious how that's gonna go. That's who, who is that? Uh, Ansel Elgort, yeah, Spielberg's directing Ansel Elgort, and uh, I just want to hear Officer Krupke. It's all I want. Literally, it. it's the best. It's the um, best song in the whole thing. Here's our interview now with Billy Bob Thornton. This is a good one. Yeah, he told a wild story about Friday Night Lights in this interview. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. All right, we're very excited to be joined by Billy Bob Thornton. How's it going? How are you? How is everything? Oh, I'm good. Yourself? Ah, not bad. No, well, no, no reason. I'm to be happy because I see the Penn State jacket. Yeah, that, yeah, I'm, if you can't tell, two days later, or three days later, I'm still wearing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, did, they didn't win as much when I was there. Uh, but we got a lot to talk about in a short time. Let's start with Goliath, though. Season four, five years, September 24th, whole season on Amazon Prime. But not just fourth season, final season. What's, what's kind of the, uh, the, the, the feeling here going into it now that it's wrapping up? Uh, relief uh, emotional like what, what what's your stance right now is about to finally drop well you know when you start things out and they get exciting and then in the middle it gets like well i gotta go home and then at the end you uh start to miss it so it's kind of you know a little bit bittersweet um i'm gonna miss the cast and crew um you know although you know you keep in touch with some people but uh like anything that ends, you know, there's going to be a bittersweet moment about it. Um, I think we ended with the best season, uh, which is good because sometimes people can tend to go a bridge too far. And this season was very strong. So it was time because I only signed up for four seasons to start with because I'm predominantly a movie guy. So, you know, you want to get on to other things. But at the end there, I was like, uh, well, this was pretty nice. I'm shooting at home, you know. Uh, get to go home every night. And uh, I loved playing the character and I loved the people I worked with. And um, so, yeah, it's it's good to move on, but at the same time, you're going to miss some of it. Yeah, you kind of said what I was going to ask next is that that's always the elephant in the room once you get past, what, like three seasons, four seasons. It's, uh-oh. It's like, this is good, but we don't want to screw it up. So that has to be a, a pretty good feeling as well, knowing like, I'm satisfied. We can wrap this up and you don't have to keep going and going and wondering, are we, are we fucking this one up? No, I totally understand. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, sometimes you want to leave on a high note and uh, not push it too far. And I think we did okay there. So we're pretty happy with it. 
So there's a lot of uh, what I would call trippy moments throughout the show. And I was always curious how you act through that sort of like almost psychosis when a big chunk of stuff like that is done in post. I mean, there's a lot of beyond like the illusion sort of aspect to it, but also cool camera work. I always love a good split diopter or diopter shot. A lot of those in this season, which I really liked. Uh, but how do you act through a lot of those moments? Well, you know, I think part of being an actor uh uh, if you're going to do your job is life experience. And so you don't really have to uh, think about it too much. I mean, if you live through a bunch of weird stuff, uh, you have it with you every moment anyway. So um, yeah, those, those strange moments in there, uh, which we've had a few over the four seasons. Um, I don't really treat it any differently than I do just a regular scene in court where I have to say, you know, lawyer stuff you just kind of go out there and live and you know fortunately for me this character wasn't that far from me anyway so i'm kind of just rolling out of bed and going and being who i would be if i were a lawyer in la this season has some uh, new faces including jk simmons Haley joel osmond uh, a lot of new moments some new locations stuff like that what, what was your favorite moment to film in this season without maybe i guess going into too many spoilers you know, I liked the very ethereal or ghostly moments, to tell you the truth. The, the, those thrilled me the most. I mean, obviously, acting with J.K. was great. Uh, when, you, when you have an adversary, you want somebody strong that, you know, pushes back a little bit. Because if they're not, you can't push as far as you want to push. But uh, I'd have to say there were moments like uh, a couple of moments in the elevator uh, with Nina stand out to me and there's a character in the show played by lenny ito who is like a sort of ghostly sort of almost it's like my conscience my, my conscience as well as uh, a sort of warning signal or someone who seems to be there to protect me or warn me you know and those were that was a character that larry and i uh came up with larry trilling those were you know great moments there there's a courtroom uh scene that, you know, after you've done several courtroom scenes, you know, after a while, they can get to be uh, kind of the same. Uh, we had one in here where I talk directly to the jury and I don't behave as you should in front of the judge. I liked that very much. I mean, on the whole, I was really very satisfied with, with the season. And I think each season it's gotten, well, it's evolved every season, which I'm very proud of. What do you think as an actor is more fun to do? Like a main role where something where you get a chance to develop it for so long over seasons after seasons or something maybe more recurring or even like a one season runoff like you had done in Fargo, just something where you're, you're in, you get to do like a very quick, you know, put leave it on the floor within a few episodes or just even an episode. What do you think is more fun as an actor to do? Well, it's more fun to come in and, and knock them out and leave. <laughs> There's no pressure on you. I mean, when you carry something, if you carry a movie or a series or whatever it is, uh, you know that you are the one that's going to be judged. And if you come in as a hired gun, you have much less pressure. I mean, if you go in there and do something pretty good, uh, that pops out because the critics don't like to praise the, the main person usually. July about true. September 24th on Amazon. It got you here, so I got to ask you about a couple other things as well. Uh, anyone who listens to our podcast knows top five comedy of all time for me. Uh, I watch it every December 24th, the same damn time. 
you've talked about this movie to your blue in the face. You've done a sequel. So I won't, I won't ask you the, the nuts and bolts of bad Santa, but I think in general, overall, it's, it's a rare movie, not just because it's dark, but also oddly very heartwarming, but it's a modern Christmas classic in a sense, which just doesn't happen these days. <laughs> what do you think? Like, why, why is that case? Because most Christmas classics are really just from a long time ago up until nineties ish era. And that's a bad Santa and elf are kind of it in terms of things recent. And that really, at this point, it's not even really recent anymore. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we made that in, I think 2002, something like that. Uh, so we're getting close to 20 years. Um, I think that that movie struck a chord with people because it was so profane you know, nothing had been done like that in the cinema and it spawned a lot of other sort of copycat movies. You know, they had bad teacher, bad grandpa, grad, <laughs> you, know, bad, you know, pig, whatever it was. And so I think it was just people wanting to let go and see something that didn't hold back. You know, it was fun playing that character. One of the keys is to, you know, when you're playing someone who's drunk every minute, just be drunk every minute. <laughs> if you get what I'm saying. I've read some stories where you said that when, like when you got off the out, the escalator scene, you were really waking yourself up. Yeah. I was passed out. Yeah. And I didn't even know I was in a movie. No, my, uh, my traditional Christmas family and, and, and we're stuck on traditions of home alone and all that. When I, when I threw bad Santa into the rotation years ago, my dad's like, are you serious? I was like, trust me. Trust me. <laughs> well, you know, what's really bad is that I'll be out someplace in public and a, like a family comes up and they have like a couple of, you know, eight, nine, 10 year old kids. And the kids are going, there's bad Santa. You know, it's like, did you let your kids watch this movie? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> um, uh, another movie that has meaning to me, I went to high school in Texas. Um, right. I did not play football. This is not somebody who can hold up to the rigors of, of Texas high school football. Um, but it's a movie that I actually, I didn't appreciate until I like really moved there. And it's, I mean, I liked it, but like you grow a whole different appreciation and meaning to it. But that's the other thing too. It's funny. I asked you that about the Christmas movies. I think modern sports movies, it's kind of the same exact thing, too, for a whole different reason. Like, you just don't – it's, again, it's Friday Night Lights, Miracle. There's not many that are, like, top of mind recently. And I don't know if it's – because we're, we see so many athletes more personally on social media and all that stuff. I, I don't know if you have a thought on that because, again, Friday Night Lights is ju just like Bad Santa. It's from that era where we don't have many anymore. Well, like you said, you know, some of the classics are from a while back. I mean, because Hoosiers was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Rudy, you know, uh, probably late 80s, early 90s, somewhere like that. But, uh, you know, Friday Night Lights, I, I, I don't know if I appreciated it at the time as much as I did later, just like you're saying. Uh, I think that movie is really good. And I think Pete mm -hmm. did an amazing job, you know, directing that movie and uh, uh, the cast that was in it. Uh, it was... Uh, it's something else. When you go to that stadium at Odessa where we shot a lot of that stuff, it's a college stadium. Okay. There's no question about it. I don't th probably Stony Brook or Slippery Rock does not have a state a stadium that big. And yeah. uh, it, it was pretty awe inspiring. 
And when people, I mean, I've actually had people say to me, oh, you know what? That was kind of heightened reality. You know, it's not. And that's, as a matter of fact, we could have gone further and it would have been fine uh, because football in Texas, high school football, it's something else. And the thing about it is, you know, I grew up, my dad was a high school coach. And uh, so I lived in that world. I was a baseball player, but uh, I played football up through, I don't know, when I was a sophomore and realized that I was going to get killed. So I turned to pitching. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's um, it's really amazing to see how sports can uh, inspire people, you know, motivate people and all that kind of thing. And I have, I can look back on that movie now because they, they play that halftime speech of mine. They actually play it at stadiums all over the place. They do. If any team is down and out, that speech is the first thing they throw up there in text. Yep. And, you know, I'll tell you a little thing that I, I don't know that I've ever said publicly. Uh, that halftime speech was some of it was on the page and some of it I ad libbed. And uh, really? the reason for the improvisation in it was because the night before, just the night before a friend of mine betrayed me in a way that I can't describe. So all that stuff about if you can, when you get down and you can look at that guy next to you and look him in the eye and all that kind of thing. Right. And know that you are telling him the truth and that you are there for him a hundred percent, you know? So that's where all that stuff came from. And I went to where we did it and I said, Hey, look, I'm pissed off. Do you mind if I go off on this a little bit? <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of that was a direct result of a betrayal the night before, the actual night before. My my junior year, our team was not great. I'll tell you what. They needed some motivation. That speech was played right away. So it's a con- confirmed. It, it lives on. Yeah. Well, they've, they've played that thing in Jerry's house and all over the place. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a team out here in Southern California, St. John's Bosco, that one of the yep. top teams in the country and uh i'm kind of close to that team and uh they uh they play that speech on their little jumbotron out west not little and have you noticed how when i was in high school high school football wasn't on television i mean it wasn't a thing everywhere and they didn't they didn't uh fly you know from la to like Indianapolis to play a game. <laughs> I mean, we went maybe two hours at the most, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's become a whole other, you know, thing. It's just uh, not like it was when I was growing up. It's certainly a machine now compared to before. That's for sure. Cool. Um, I want to talk to you about another role that I absolutely love. And that's Lauren Malvo and, and Fargo. And because for me, I, that is one of my favorite television characters of the last decade easily. And, you know, I think a lot of people can feel kind of the same way. I'm just curious what, into, what went into the creation of that character. And if you were nervous just of picking up the role, just because you, that was the first, you know, foray into picking up Fargo after all those years, which is such a revered movie. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that's daunting about it is because you're taking an iconic movie and making it into a series. And so you worry about that a little bit, but I called Joel and Ethan and I asked them if they endorsed it. And they said, absolutely. and so then I went forward with it. But when I read the first uh, script, because we on Fargo, it was different than Goliath. We pretty much knew everything we were going to do in Goliath. Not not everything, but most of it. 
in Fargo, we got the scripts sort of one at a time. So we didn't know where it was going. Um, but when I read the pilot of it, uh, I said, well, I got to do this. And I think the only thing that I really brought to it was, I think maybe the original conception was maybe a more uh, aggressive bad guy. And I decided to play it as a bad guys are oftentimes, which is very quiet, you know? Yes. There's <laughs> that one scene you have in the, the post office. And I feel like the, the emotion, the, the amount you were able to say without saying anything is so much better than you could say if I'm like a bad guy that's big and like brodacious and like up in your face or any of that. You're able to convey a lot more just with a look, you know? You know, my favorite moment in that entire uh, first season was I go into a motel to check in and the lady says, she's, you know, she's kind of like a brush off woman. You know, she's just like, anyway, here it is. It's $29 a night, whatever it was. And she said, it's $10 extra for pets. And I said, what if I have a spider? <laughs> Forgot about that until you said that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I love the, the writing was so good. All right. We want to ask you one last thing before you go. And uh, that is that you got cast into the gray man. Is there anything you could tell us about that? We recently interviewed the Russos. We've talked to some other people involved. Anything you can give us on that? I could tell you so many things about the gray man that were amazing. It was First of all, being in, in France and Prague were like nice perk, yeah. Dreamlike. I mean, it really was. It was like such a beautiful thing. I'll never forget it. And uh and I didn't know that it was gonna be that way really uh, in the beginning, because I've you know, I've never been like a guy that likes to go to France every week. But uh <laughs> uh, you know, as far as I go, it was usually like Canoga Park. Uh <laughs> it was, you know. I don't do a lot of those big event movies. And uh, I have to say this one really worked out because I was able to play a character who, when I read it, it was my favorite character in it. Even though I, it wasn't the lead, it was like the third lead or something, you know? And I, uh, I identified with that character more than any of the rest of them. And uh it was a really, really good experience. And the Russo brothers are great. I liked them very much and uh, nice cast and crew. And we had a really wonderful time. Anyone who can do community and arrested development and then do Avengers, they, they've got to have a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of talent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you so much. This was an absolute blast. I'm, I'm still blown away that there was real life uh, ad living in the, in that speech. I don't know. <laughs> and my, now, what is Penn State now? Number four or five? They're they're numbers. I think they're five or they're six. I think in the AP. Really? Six. I was ahead of them by I, one. I thought Iowa moved ahead of them. I mean, I mean, I thought they moved ahead of Iowa. No, I mean, they got to go play Iowa in Iowa. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. That's, I think you'll be all right. But uh, keep, keep us when you're watching. Keep me. Yeah. Keep me in your thoughts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Goliath season four, September twenty fourth. Whole thing. Hopefully, hey, maybe, maybe great, man. We'll get to talk to you again. This was an absolute blast. Hey, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. Thanks to Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, he 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 said uh, he was personally betrayed by a dear friend the night before he he did the speech scene, and he improved the yeah. speech based on the the betrayal of his friend. What? Like an accident? Yeah, like yeah. real life. It was really like I we didn't expect like something that personal. That was crazy. No shit.
That's fucking mm-hmm. sick. Mm-hmm. That was a wild you one. Some good stories. You guys are good interviewers. He was very volunteered. I don't think we did a lot to coax him into it or anything like that. He kind of just volunteered it to us. It's like I've never told anyone this before, but he just gave <laughs> us a fucking massive thing. It was nuts. That's but very sick. fun interview though. It was good. Streaming suggestions. Then we'll wrap the pod. Just something on streaming. We can throw out a musical as well. Figure out what your favorite musical is, fights. Uh, but Ken Jack, something on streaming that, that maybe people haven't watched, should watch. Okay, I'll give it uh I'll give it sort of two things. So if you're looking for a show, and I know fights you've started this show, Squid Game is phenomenal. It's so fucking good. So good. I you know what? I came into this without this as my streaming recommendation because i knew you were going to give it and i got it from you so it would have felt pretty cheap if i stole <laughs> it from that um but i got a I got a fun little thing here hit it that i noticed because i have i have finished squid game this is no spoilers or anything like that um but well actually i'm just going to tell a story and you guys can decide if it's spoilers or not and cut it <laughs> okay go um when they're talking about the doctor right mm-hmm. and and they're talking about the, the kidney they took, and they keep saying they took it from a zombie. Yeah. It reminded me of World War Z. When, really? Remember in World War Z? Because the, the, uh, the zombie infection starts in Korea, and mm-hmm. they said that the word for undead in Korean is the same. The translation gets confused with zombie. So when they sent that memo out, they were like, they never thought that they meant actual zombies. So they, and that's why like the spread started because no one was like, oh, they're talking about actual zombies. And when it kept popping up on the, the subtitles, it kept saying like the zombie we tried to kill or whatever. I was like, I was like, oh, that's like you're talking about World War Z. I thought that was very cool and a great memory from John. You're like a little linguist uh, effort there into the yeah. Korean language. That was amazing. That's cool. Uh, but yeah, that show is really good. If you like um, anything like Battle Royale, like um, um, Hunger Games, like anything like that, uh, I think you'll really, really, really dig Squid Game. It's, it's fucking awesome. Um, but for a movie... I'm going to pick Event Horizon. Event Horizon is, I think, one of my favorite horror movies of the last two decades. Um, uh, Sam Neill, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. It is it, the combination of some of the most disturbing special effects and, and practical effects combinations that you'll ever see. It's all set in space on this fucking ship rotating at, or, or orbiting, I want to say, like Neptune or something like that. It is so fucking terrifying. And like to this day, it is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen in my entire life. And like it just doesn't get, I think, the same love as other um, horror movies that are like all parts of franchises or whatever else, just because it's like this one tiny little one off from Paul, our, our good friend, me and Jeff's good friend, Paul Wes Anderson, uh, Paul W. S. Anderson, the guy who did Underworld or um, uh, Resident Evil and a bunch of all those other crappier horror movies. But this one is it's incredible. It's it's very, very scary. Uh, and I think you'd I think you guys would dig it. Samuel, also just a great actor, as is Lawrence Fishburne. And they they headline this. So check it out. I have two. One, the NFL Sunday, so why not? <clears throat> one is a romantic drama, came out last year. We talked about it, I think we mentioned it one time. Abishola? Uh, <laughs> Bob Hart's Abishola from CBS? No. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, I gave it an 83, Ken Jack a 77. It's not great, but you know what? It's a delightful romantic movie. Starring Tessa Thompson and former Raiders and Eagles yeah. superstar, Namdi Asamoa. Uh, it's called Sylvie's Love. Uh, Very good movie. Yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty damn solid romance movie. Um, it's on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, check it out. Uh, it, it's a movie worth watching. It's a really solid. Nam the Good actor. 
Yeah, was he? Was he he's married to an actress, right? He's married to Carrie Washington. I was gonna say that, but I was like, wait, that can't be right. Oh, but yeah, yeah. Remember he ate lunch in his car. <laughs> yeah, the biggest right, lightning rod of the Eagles. the dream team. He was the Eagles' dream team signing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. During that that like breakneck speed free agency after the lockout. Um, crazy. I forgot about. By the way, Sante Samuel's son now really damn good. We he's never talk awesome. about it enough. DC animated, fantastic. Oh yeah. Uh, I was bored the other day with like an hour and a half, two hours to just watch something. I popped on a DC animated, one of my favorites, uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. All these DC animated movies, they're on HBO Max. Uh, and there's some great ones. Under the Red Hood, uh, The Dark Knight Returns, Death of Superman, another old uh, 90s one, late 90s, uh, Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero. That's the Mr. Freeze to me. Like, to me, it's that cartoon, Mr. Freeze. I had the toy and everything. If you've never seen the DC animated, check them out. They're on HBO Max. They are fucking great. Are the DC animated, are those those ones that go viral every once in a while where, like, no air and shit? No, you're thinking of a CW shit, I think, where yeah. uh, <laughs> it was, like, the gorilla that went back in time to kill Obama. And uh, that's that's not the second time I've brought up that, that show. <laughs> that was fucking bizarre. No, I think you're thinking of that, but... Um... Yeah, no, DC animated stuff is awesome. The Harley Quinn show, uh, I've been meaning to start there because I've heard nothing but incredible things about that. That's the one where Batman couldn't eat her pussy, right? That's where that comes from, I believe. That okay. argument came from. Okay. At least I believe so, anyway. Uh, what's yours, Fights? Okay, mine is... Uh, and this is this is actually a great time for you guys to ask this question for me to be on, because this is a movie that I think is incredibly underrated. And incredibly... Not underrated. I think it's underviewed. I think most people haven't seen it. I think if I told you that Russell Crowe, Ben Affleck, Rachel McAdams, Hel- Helen Mirren, Robin Wright, and Jason Bateman and Jeff Daniels were in a movie together, you'd be like, what fucking movie is that? Well, friends, it's a 2009 film called State of Play. It is new to Netflix, and it's awesome. I love this movie. I was actually very pleased to see both of you guys seem to like it, too. You both have it 82s. I have it a high 80s. I'll give it an 89, probably. But this is, like, one of my favorite kind of movies. Like, the the mid to the i guess the aughts the mid to late aughts the action thriller movie that isn't great but is fucking great mm-hmm. this is perfectly it this is one of those movies this is one of the movies i was watching i went on a big run like with these during the pandemic and again i just saw it came on netflix i'm guessing it came on this month because it's been on my my main page a lot um i, I was going through these movies this movie um body of lies yeah hell um, yeah uh, there's Russell Crowe bangers. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, Russell, this actually, obviously, there's like Gladiator is probably my favorite. I haven't seen Master Commander yet. Oh, what? I know. I know you love that one. But this this is probably one of my favorite Russell Crowe uh, roles. I think he's unbelievable in this. And also, you like I said, you guys have both at 82. Ron Domenos has it at 84. I'm going to go, like I said, a little higher, 87. But also, in the similar movies on MovieRankings.net, you guys have Knives Out here. If, if if it's a similar movie to Knives Out, this is a heater. <laughs> yeah, very much we've done it. Yeah. You're right. This cast is bonkers. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. Crow, Affleck, McAdams, Mirren, Robin Wright, Jason Holy Bateman, Jeff Viola Daniels. Davis? What the fuck? Viola Davis is in this? Viola Davis, fucking David Harbour, Zoe Lister. Jo- what the hell, dude? I forgot David Harbour's in it, too. Bro, I'm watching this tonight again. I'm jacked up now. This is crazy. What the fuck? And like also a bunch of smaller names that I know that like I wouldn't have expected. Um, 
Zoe Lister Jones, we did a fucking just we did we interviewed someone for a movie she directed. That's crazy. What if we played a game with our guests where our guests is the perfect is this the perfect time for Affleck to play this role? Yes. Affleck is perfect for this role he plays in this movie. That might have been like the start of Affleck's renaissance, too, because that was right around right before Argo. That's like right when he went out from like because he had like the, the whole 2000, 2000, 2010 for him was was dog shit. Yeah. And then but from 2010 to 2020, he's been pretty much great with the exception of that shitty mob movie. He had a, he had a great decade. What was the mob movie? Was it the night? No. What the, what oh, the fuck yeah. is that crappy oh. mob movie he made? Also, you're forgetting about Runner Runner, which was awesome. But if I think it was awesome, it stunk. <laughs> Fuck. What was that That shitty mobster movie? Oh, damn. I know exactly what you're talking about. And he directed it, too, I think. Yeah. Uh, He's uh, whatever. like a white suit on the poster. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ben. We need to do a thing where our guest, we, we require them to lock in and watch a movie from our randomizer <laughs> to end the pod. Oh, let's say I, I kind of want to do that. I want to see what it would be right now. All right. Ready? Yeah. Live by night, by the way. Pops up on movierankings.net randomized. We have to watch tonight. Oh, wait. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to complete random full thing. Oh, no, I'm, I'm going to do it. Oh, you're going to do it for me? Okay. I'm going to surprise you. <laughs> tonight, John Feidelberg will be watching. Oh, no. Oh, no. A 2004 sequel. If you thought nine was a lot, what about 10? The whole 10 yards starring Bruce Willis, <laughs> Matthew Perry, and Amanda Peet. Nice. Bro, I actually like the, I don't think I've ever seen the whole 10, but I like the whole nine. <laughs> the whole 10 yards. Enjoy. Which, which you can find on moviewrankings.net underneath. Go to filters, go to universe, the whole yard series. That's a universe <laughs> in itself. That's that's my, my favorite thing about moviewrankings.net is the universe tab because the universes that we made up that aren't universes, but we actually have in there, you can rip through it. I mean, so we have like the main ones, but uh, the Ace Ventura universe, uh, the almighty franchise, Bruce and Evan, um, the I, Analyze I feel- This the- uh, series. It just it goes on and on. I There's saw more movie that- universes than anybody could ever imagine. On, on the Reddit front page, I think it was today, maybe yesterday, was um, it was on r slash shitty movie details. And it talked about the most confusing franchise of all time. And that's the Get franchise. Like Get, get Hard and Get. Get Smart, Get Hard. And get, <laughs> get, get Shorty. Get Ooh, Shorty. Yeah. Good movie. <laughs> that's yeah, actually, that, Get one, Shorty right? is one of my suggestions this week on Movie Rankings. And at the front page. That's the tr- that's a Travolta one, right? That one's oh yeah, really fucking Hackman, good. Yeah, Travolta, Russo, Devito. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Gandalf. Did Devito direct that? Uh, no, he did not. That's because he had like that string of directing that was really good in the nineties. Yeah, get, get check out Get Shorty. I just um, remember he had a cool name. I forget what it was. Fights. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Fellas. We're gonna have a rotating cast of people. That's how we're gonna do this show now, at least for the time being. So you'll be back on soon. We'll have mm-hmm. to find something. Uh, in your in your wheelhouse we have what's what's coming up the next we have the the releases are getting crazy now yeah it's it's officially blockbuster season because next week we had we had to make a call uh it's venom and the many saints in newark so i think what we're gonna do is we'll do venom this sunday ken jack and i are seeing it uh tomorrow night actually that's right uh then we're interviewing andy circus i actually Uh, i i the the trailers don't do it for me for the venoms but um, I saw. I watched the first one. I actually thought it was pretty good. It was. It was yeah. better than I went in with a low bar, I think. But it was better yeah. than I expected. Uh, 
So we'll do Venom. Let there be carnage this Sunday. I think we're going to have Coley on. And then the week after that, we'll do the Many Saints of Newark. Um, which is tough because now we're backloaded. So we actually, you know what we might do? Because I think we're going to have Large on for that. Uh, we may do a double review of the Many Saints of Newark and No Time to Die. Uh, Large also a big Bond guy. So I think we mm-hmm. may end up doing a double review on that one. That one's going to be sick. I'm very excited for that one. I'm excited. The many, I'll tell you what, I, I, I got through my binge of Sopranos just to get ready for it. And then I rewatched the trailer again. The end of that trailer going into the theme song is fucking awesome. The, the reviews, I, th- I think there's still an embargo because I haven't read a full review. I've also never seen the Sopranos, but I've seen enough. I've seen, I've seen the Sopranos without seeing the Sopranos. I know <laughs> one of those shows. Yeah, yeah. Absorb it tangentially from being like, around Glenny Balls enough. I've I've seen it like I had a roommate who just always had it on. Like I've seen the surprise. I know everything that happens, but I've never like I've never watched it through. I've probably seen eighty percent of the episodes, but I've just never watched it through. Um, so I, I'm not going to be either overly critical of the movie at all. But the people who went to the premiere, it didn't. I I felt like a, I felt like a vibe where like it's not great. I think the the general vibe I got from it as well is like this is good, probably not necessary to have been made. That's yeah. the general vibe I got, which is like never what you really want from like an end cap to a series. Right. Um, and, and when you think about it, that's that, that's the opinion coming from diehard fans. Yeah, who were there that night, right? Like huge, huge fans who were just going in hoping to be able to come out and say that was unbelievable, and they're like, it was pretty good. Like that's that feels like grasping at straws kind of deal. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping it's good. Two movies or one movie next Sunday, Venom, and then two movies weekend after. Uh, that's it. For uh, Ken Jack and Mr. Feidelberg, I'm Jeff Lowe. Talk to you next time. Have a good week at the box office, folks.